Oh, what's going on, everybody? I'm Brian No, alongside Jimmy Cook, 93.5, The Fan. And how about our guy, Eddie Garrison, already, Jimmy? He is uh, in his bag already. A little sweet home Alabama. That's got to be a tip of the cap to uh, the Smurf out there. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Bryce Young, who is now surging to the top of the betting odds to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. It feels like it was just a, almost a week ago that we talked on this show, Jimmy, and uh, the odds have completely flip-flopped over the last week with Stroud and Bryce Young at the top of this draft. It's unbelievable here. See, they tell us not to pay attention to the smoke. They tell us not to pay attention to all the, the rumors and the reports that are out there, but one area that you can at least with – a big toe or two in the water trust is when the money moves. And the fact that you've now seen this massive jump over the last couple of days to where Bryce Young is now the proverbial favorite. Again, is it a guarantee? No. Humans are not algorithms. They could change their mind. It's very possible here within six days or excuse me, within the two weeks to go till the draft. But it is fascinating to watch. I don't have a future ticket. I figured Bryce Young was going to the Texans. Did you play anything there? Do you have any future uh, no. draft board bets right now? No, no future draft board bets just yet. I, I don't know what it is with me. I, I'm pretty much a late bloomer when it comes to anything betting-wise. I think it's my general nature here, Jimmy. I'm more of a last-minute type of dude you know normally my Christmas shopping is the week of Christmas and that's like it used to be Christmas Eve every year I would just do everything in one shot on Christmas Eve now I've uh, really planned ahead where it's probably the week leading up to Christmas so maybe like three or four days of runway before so that's kind of how I am with betting as well so I don't I don't play many things NFL draft wise well in advance I might do it right up leading to it. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Sometimes you miss out on value if you wait a little bit too long. Yeah, and for for you or I, depending on where you're at, if you're still engaging in the Stroud and Young debate, if you think it's all smoke or you think, yeah, maybe with his last workout, which I think is, I'm not mistaken, Tuesday, I believe, Stroud is working out with the Panthers. Eddie, is that close? Okay, I'm pretty sure I saw the yesterday. If not, we'll uh, get it in the corrections at the end of the show. That's not actually a segment. I just made it up just now. But anyway, if you're in that camp, <laughs> plus 225 juice is C.J. Stroud to go number one overall to the Panthers. And then you go further than that. If you want to go to the opposite side of the coin, Bryce Young now plus 400 if you think, well, the Panthers are going to end up taking Stroud and the Texans will take Young. So if you are paying attention to those markets, I'm late to the party too, but Christmas Eve? Yeah, Man, that's, well, that's a dangerous used to be. game. I know, dangerous. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. I uh, I live on the edge from time to time here, Jimmy Cook. And uh, yeah, yeah, doing all your Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. My, maybe not the greatest game plan, but this is the thing, man. When we go back to C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young and who's going to be the number one overall pick and the odds moving so significantly, I can't even trust the betting market because – all of this momentum for C.J. Stroud for weeks leading up to just this week when everything flip-flopped, right? You had C.J. Stroud. He was at minus 275. He's at around minus 300, which means he's a heavy favorite. That implies a 75% chance that when C.J. Stroud had minus 300 odds, he would be the number one overall pick. You would have to risk $300 to win $100. So this is 
It's really trending towards C.J. Stroud. Now basically take that and flip-flop it with Bryce Young. Bryce Young on DraftKings right now, he's minus 360 to be the number one overall pick. So like when you're saying the betting market and it's hard to trust sources and anonymous reports, and all, it's hard to trust the betting market too. The betting market has done a 180 with Stroud and Young. It's insane what's happening here. We had Josh McCown dap it up Stroud, and I thought the deal was done. I thought, all right, like we could have all these rumors and these content mills for the next five weeks, but it's going to be Stroud number one. And man, if you if you can't trust the betting market, I'm not saying that like <laughs> Vegas is the most like you know trustworthy place in the world, but if you can't trust where the money goes, <laughs> what can you trust? I, you know, is anything holy at this point now? Yeah, that we can't trust the betting market. But now it sets up an interesting domino effect here because with the Colts at number four, and let's face it, Jimmy, that's what we care about over here. Mm-hmm. We care about us in Indy is uh, what happens with the Colts now. Let's just say it's uh, a certain guy who's small in stature who's the number one overall pick. <laughs> You know who that's pertaining to. Let's say it's uh, yeah. Let's say it's uh, Mr. Uh, Bryce Young, who's vertically challenged and uh, weight challenged, if you will. But uh, then what? Does Houston just say, "Well, screw it. We like C.J. Stroud." Also, I mean, there are whispers around that they are all about Bryce Young, and that's the only guy they're all about. So if Bryce Young does go number one overall to the Carolina Panthers. I wouldn't say it's set in stone that the Houston Texans take C.J. Stroud. That's what I would expect. But what if? We've talked about this for a long time, Jimmy. I see some major curveball coming to us in the top five. We might have already seen it. If Bryce Young goes from, you know, plus he's like three to one odds, and now he's like one to three odds to be the number one overall pick, that might be the major curveball that it's not C.J. Stroud who many people were expecting it to be, there might be another curveball. So if it's Bryce Young 1, what if it isn't C.J. Stroud number 2? What if it's Anthony Richardson? What if it's a non-quarterback and the Texans just go rogue on us there? Then that opens a can of worms for a different conversation. And it also opens up my, Anthony, it's been fun. I appreciate you. It's been, it's been a great ride, but... Jay Cook suddenly leaves the Anthony Richardson camp, and now I'm headed over to Stroud's Valley because I had that debate with you, and while I like Bryce Young better, your major contention with Stroud, rightfully so, is the weapons that he's had in Ohio State. What's he going to look like without those weapons in the NFL? And the reason that I have more optimism on Stroud versus Richardson versus Levis is because he has shown, albeit with the weapons, his ability to shine both as a passer, but also has his ability to carve up and read defenses. I believe Shane Steichen can fine-tune those passing skills and those creativity to a point that you had a playmaker or two here. Stroud is a can't-miss it for, for not just the value, mm. but just the situation you'd be placing him in. I'm not, I'm not thinking twice about it, about Richardson or Levis, if Stroud is available at four, assuming nobody trades up with the Cardinals at three. Well, if we just keep it with C.J. Stroud for a second here, Jimmy, you mentioned the weapons, and it is an embarrassment of riches that he's had at Ohio State. You look at it, where C.J. Stroud, he's been the starter the last two years. So he's had Garrett Wilson, first-round draft pick. He's had Chris Alave, first-round draft pick. 
He's had Jackson Smith and Jigba, who didn't play hardly at all this past year, but two years ago. Did you see? (laughs) His stat line is insane. Jackson Smith and Jigba, two seasons ago. 95 catches, 1,606 yards, nine touchdowns. That's freaking ridiculous right there. He's had... Three first-round guys. Oh, and by the way, Marvin Harrison Jr. will be a can't-miss first-round pick next season. No doubt about it. He'd be the first wide receiver taken this year if he were eligible. And oh, by the way, you just sprinkle in Emeka Abuka, who is a baller also. He's had five dudes, five guys that might all be first-round draft picks. That's insane. And I know... Uh, you know, Eddie Garrison is sick of hearing about Will the Thrill Levis, but you're going to hear about him right here for a second. Here. <laughs> Will Levis and his Dollar Tree wide receivers to throw to compared to, to what C.J. Stroud has had. C.J. Stroud has had caviar, and Will Levis has had, like, stale ramen from four months after its expiration date. Like, it's night and day. It's not even remotely close. And that matters when you're trying to gauge who's going to do what on the next level like that that all matters who you're surrounded by so i take all that into account well it has to be taken into account and this is where the waters get gray for for both of us right because my argument to that would be okay that's fine but the critique the critique against levis is well he doesn't see the field as well whenever he's given different looks on the defensive end. He misread things. He starts to doubt himself. But your argument would be, and it would be a yeah. fair one, he doesn't have the weapons to make it easier on him, which, again, yeah. not a fair point. I'm not trying to deny, or not an unfair point. I'm not trying to undercut or deny that. If that is where the table is being set, then at that point we're going off of where you feel like the higher ceiling is for these two. If you're saying that, okay, in an even world, maybe they're both about the same quarterback or at minimum for you, Levis might be better than Stroud if you give him the weapons that he had at Ohio State. Is where, Am I taking that in the right oh, direction? Absolutely. Okay. I, I, again, like if you do the flip-flop thing, and I know that wasn't – thank you for making that clear, Jimmy, or I would have thrown a table at you from <laughs> South Bend to Indianapolis. I would have done, like, what, the disc golf? I would have disc golfed a table toward your direction over there, two and a half hours south. Um, well, yeah, like, if you flip-flop C.J. Stroud and Will Levis, for anybody who's like, Will Levis, he doesn't uh, process that quickly, you know, he's a little slow reading defenses, give him five first-round picks. And let's see how much quicker he is processing things. Give C.J. Stroud what Kentucky had surrounding their quarterback. And do you think his uh, his processing speed slows down a little bit? Yeah, it looks a lot more like dial-up instead of high-speed internet. Like, what you're surrounded by absolutely matters. And, yeah, you can look a lot quicker with your, your decision-making if you're surrounded by the talent that C.J. Stroud was surrounded by. There's no doubt about that. I would agree with you that there would definitely be, how could there not be? There would be a drop-off in numbers if you switch the two, right? That goes without saying because of the talent that is around you. My argument would be, and again, you don't see it this way, which is fine. That's why you've been for the better part of three weeks in the Will Levis camp and, and thinking that, that he is the asset the Colts should go ahead and make their next face the franchise. For me, I believe that it's not just about the receivers that are around him. I do believe C.J. Stroud is better at processing. I do believe he's better at either making decisions or not holding on to the ball too long. And if it is something that needs to be bailed on, he'll get rid of it or he'll throw it away. Versus I feel like Levis tries to make too much out of nothing there. Is it fair to say maybe he would have been more successful with better weapons? Absolutely. 
Yeah. I think, though, that if you still make the swap, you have a better scouting report on Stroud at Kentucky than you did Will Levis at Kentucky, just because I think he's the better prospect. I mean, I'm just looking at Garrett Wilson was the offensive rookie of the year, the Jets wide receiver. Yes. He had 83 catches for 1,103 yards and four touchdowns. And look at the look at the quarterbacks the Jets had. They had Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco and Chris Streveler. Like what? Yeah. And he's the offensive rookie of the year. What what do you think the chances are that a Kentucky wide receiver is just going to be offensive rookie of the year? Like, like <laughs> very low. All that yeah. matters. Like that's who C.J. Stroud had as one of his main weapons two years ago at Ohio State. Chris Olave had a good. Rookie season with the Saints. Very strong rookie season. He had 72 catches for 1,042 yards and four touchdowns. But again, look who was throwing him the ball. Yeah. Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill. Like He doesn't have an upper echelon quarterback at all. And both those rookie receivers had over 1,000 yards receiving. Like that, That's yeah. who C.J. Stroud had. That matters when you're evaluating who did what at the college level. It does, but here's the issue with this conversation, and this is what you pointed out to me and clarified to me when I was much further in the anti-Levis camp, whereas now I'm like, all right, if they take him, like, again, I if we're Richardson-Levis, throwing Stroud out of it, I want Richardson, but I'm going to wish Levis well. I hope he succeeds here in Indianapolis. That's what they do. But before, when I was like, eh, kind of anything but Levis, you brought up the point that it's not his fault that he was at Kentucky. He took the opportunity that was available to him, and he made the most of it. There has to be a line of how far on the other side of the fence do you critique C.J. Stroud for it's not his fault he ended up at Ohio State. It's not his fault that he was valued better in high school to the point that he was offered that opportunity where do you draw the line in measuring how good he is versus penalizing him for having all these weapons around him during his time as a Buckeye? Well, I hear you, and maybe it's just a, a matter of semantics because um, I'm not going to penalize C.J. Stroud, but I'm definitely going to take that into account. If right. I look at this and say, okay, what he was surrounded by in college at Ohio State, we just detailed all that stuff, just first-round wide receivers galore. If he's the number one overall pick, what is he surrounded by with the Carolina Panthers, right? Like, they just traded away DJ Moore, who was their best wide receiver. They've traded away a couple of first-round picks, a couple of second-round picks. You don't have a whole lot to work with over there. So I have to at least take that into account. What are we going to expect from this guy year one, year two, year three, as they're trying to upgrade the talent around him to make it anywhere halfway comparable to what he's used to at Ohio State. Think about that. Think about this, Jimmy. He's surrounded by first-round talent in college, right? Like, he's surrounded by the Offensive Rookie of the Year in Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who was fantastic this past season in the NFL. That's what he had in college. Like, he'll have less than that in the NFL. Like, how would we expect this guy to flourish? He's going to be a freaking dud his first year if he goes to Carolina. And I would expect something similar if he goes to Houston with the number two overall pick. It's just, it's unrealistic. And when I always hear this about being quote-unquote NFL ready, it's just like not even taking into account who you're surrounded by as far as talent-wise. What C.J. Stroud is used to at Ohio State, it is going to be... You ever see those shows like Scared Straight? 
Yeah. Where, like, you know, it's like a, a kid, he's screwing up and he's breaking the law. And there's this tough kind of drill sergeant, like, you better wake up. And like, that's going to be the reality for CJ Stroud. It's going to be a rude awakening when he looks and he's like, oh gosh, I don't have a first round talent to throw to. Oh gosh, I've got like a, ugh, a journeyman wide receiver. And oh man, I'm not in the NFL. Oh, when we talk about being NFL ready, I don't think C.J. Stroud is close to being NFL ready in terms of what he's going to experience at the top of the draft not being surrounded by great talent because that's exactly what he's used to. And I agree with you that that's what you'll see from him if he winds up in Carolina or he winds up in Houston year one because there's no, particularly after they traded away D.J. Moore, which again, they had to do that to get to one, there's no clear cut like, oh my God, superstar wide receiver within either of Carolina or Houston. In this scenario where I'm plotting to have C.J. Stroud in Indianapolis, again, I've said this before, I don't view Michael Pittman Jr. as a number one wide receiver. I do view him as a talented wide receiver. I view him as the most talented wide receiver of any of those three teams that we just mentioned. Whether it is Levis or Stroud, you are having a legitimately talented wideout, a consistent weapon that you can count on. Again, maybe not in the same echelon as Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill, but he has field awareness. He knows how to get open and he can catch the ball to a point that at a minimum, if the Colts do nothing else, there's at least one guy out there he can count on. That's not including Alec Pierce having another offseason under his belt to learn Shane Steichen's offense. This will be his first year learning it, but you get what I mean. He'll have a consistent second offseason to be able to gather everything. You're expecting elite from Jelani Woods, and someone is getting taken in this draft by the Colts at wideout. I don't know if they'll do it in the second round or if they'll do it in the third. That is on their checklist. So at least some foundation of optimism that these will be better players than Levis would have had in Kentucky. They'll be worse players than Stroud would have had at Ohio State. But it's not like he's going to Kentucky if you're Stroud. You at least have a couple of guys that, yeah, hey, we're, we're working with at least a couple nice tools is what I'm saying. I like, I like how you put that. It's not going to be as rock bottom as trying to make it work at Kentucky. We're not going from the Bellagio to Motel 6, right? Like there, there's a middle ground here with what's going to be available. No, I hear you. I'll say this. I'll offer a, a little bit of an olive branch, a little bit kind when it you. comes to C.J. Stroud, just a little bit over here, because <laughs> I would actually compare it to Trace Jackson Davis. OK, if you look at C.J. Stroud, he has had a who's who of wide receivers to throw to. And so you might think if he doesn't have a who's who, of receivers to throw to, well, man, this guy is going to stink out loud. That might not necessarily be the case. He might be able to be pretty productive with wide receivers that aren't the best of the best, right? It's possible. I would argue it's unlikely. But if I compare it to Trace Jackson Davis, he didn't shoot from the outside, hardly at all. And so there are a lot of people that think he can't shoot from the outside. That might be true, but... Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean there's no chance it could happen. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So with Stroud, he might be better than you expect with wide receivers that aren't first-round caliber. It's possible. I think unlikely. Trace Jackson Davis, he might be a lot better shooting outside than you would think because you haven't seen him do it. I think it's unlikely. I wouldn't expect him to just start raining Jays left and right. I would think if he's really good at that, you would see it occasionally in college. But you never did. But you understand my point is just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's a certainty it won't happen. 
Yes, no, I I completely agree with you on that, and th- that's what makes this process and those two, both Stroud and Levis, so intriguing. My, I guess my my larger aspect with this back and forth that we're having on Stroud and on Levis, again, assuming Stroud is there, this is all just depending on if the betting markets are lying to us or not, but these are absolutely conversations that have happened on West 56 because they've worked out any of these potential quarterbacks they could go after. It's a fair point on your end to say that Levis didn't have the same weapons, and it's a fair point, I would think, on my end to be able to say, well, even though he had those weapons, it's not his fault. You can only play with who's on the field for you. Mm-hmm. The the larger barometer that both Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen have to measure and both what you and I have to have as we're kind of evaluating these prospects is whether it's Stroud or Levis and Indy, they're both going to have, we know, Jelani Woods, Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, just to name a few in terms of the weapons that they have. If the tape is right and the scouting reports are right that Shroud reads defenses better, he is able to, in general, control his thought process and either find guys open or make the right play, but the team is clearly lacking weapons, okay, we go get him more weapons next offseason, but we know he can process at an NFL level. If the argument is Levis can't, and you roll the dice and say, no, he can. He just had bad weapons. And then it turns out with an upgrade from Kentucky, but not like all worldly wide receivers compared to the rest of the NFL, he still struggles reading defenses. That's a harder thing to say, yeah, we just plug in another wide receiver and he's going to get better. True. Like that has to be part of the conversation. For Absolutely. Me. No, that's a good point. No doubt about that. And uh, yeah, you're taking a leap of faith with, with both. Yeah. And I keep coming back to. Um, you know, I, I think you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I say that in betting all the time. You know, sometimes where it's like, oh gosh, am I really going to take the Pittsburgh Pirates tonight? Ew, gross. Like sometimes, like last night, they beat my Cardinals. That would have been the right play. <laughs> they won 5 nothing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes the uncomfortable play is the right play. But you are, it's funny because you're taking a leap of faith with C.J. Stroud that he can still be a baller with his weapons not being the caliber that he's used to at Ohio State. You you might have that for the first three to five years. You don't have talent surrounding him in the NFL that is the same caliber of what he was surrounded by in college, sure. right? Like So you're taking a leap of faith that, hey, this guy can still be productive if it takes us a little while to find him the type of talent he's used to being surrounded by. And with, with Will Levis, you're taking a leap of faith saying – Hey, even though he didn't see great numbers, if we do surround him with better talent, we expect that he will produce even better. So, yeah, it's twofold with Levis. One, is that the case? Because we don't know that for sure. If he's got upgraded receivers, you know, guys you've heard of, people that can catch the ball and get open, you know, that <laughs> has been used to that. Or what's he going to do? He didn't put up big numbers in college. What if our weapons in the pros... We don't have a who's who. Are we expecting him to be better at a higher level when his numbers were mediocre? So, yeah, it's twofold with Will Levis there. You mentioned uncomfortability, and that's a great point. You brought it up a a couple different times when we've been talking about Levis. And I could have jumped on the other side of the fence with Richardson and Levis and been like, you know what? Maybe Brian's right on this angle. It's not easy always to make the uncomfortable pick, but Levis is that pick, and if you believe in him, go get him. I would have a hard time 
just on on my board. I don't know where the Colts have all these quarterback ranks. We, we just don't. They've kept everything very close to the chest. I would have a hard time making the uncomfortable pick and passing on Stroud if he's still there at four. Mm-hmm. Because, and and I it, this isn't probably on the top of Bowers' mind, but we can look at it as pundits. That looks horrific if you try to get cute sure. or, or you try to be different or you try to follow what is against the grain and take Levis. And then Stroud goes, I don't know, five, six, wherever he goes, and he pans worse so than Richardson. Because at least with Stroud and Young, there's draft type every year, but they've been the clear Young and Stroud, the clear, these two are the best, Richardson and Levis are project, at least nationally. Not everybody's right nationally every year, but if this is a year where they're right, that it's very tough to be uncomfortable and live to tell the tale if you take Levis instead of Stroud. I don't think I could do it. Hey, I hear you, but that's sometimes where what is it, Bruce Arians? No risk it, no biscuit. Sure, sure. You know, I tr- trust me. I completely hear you, and I'm sure there are GMs that think of it that way. Of hey, if we're wrong, <laughs> we're not only wrong, we're really <laughs> wrong. We're like embarrassingly wrong. We're like we can't get rid of this stain. Yeah. Kind of wrong. Where if we pass on a guy. That more people are saying, hey, take Stroud. If it's Stroud or Levis, or are you kidding me? Take Stroud. If we go swimming upstream and we say, we actually think it's Levis, and we're wrong. Levis isn't the guy, and Stroud is. We not only have egg on our face, we have like raw sewage on our face. Yeah. <laughs> That's something you can't get rid of. So, Yeah, there are going to be some GMs that think of it that way, and that's where it really goes to another level of be comfortable with being uncomfortable that's peak uncomfortability right there is if you're wrong, you take the wrong quarterback when the right quarterback was still on the board. Yeah. <laughs> like it might not be the perfect example, but it makes me think of the Bengals with Joe Burrow, because you rewind back to that draft and Joe Burrow, he had just done his thing at LSU sensational year, but it was one year. And for the longest, it was tank for Tua tank for Tua. Tua was a great prospect coming out. And so the Bengals are sitting there, and I would imagine that went into their thought process of, if we pass on the local kid, Burrow's from Ohio. <laughs> we, we, we pass on him, he turns out to be a baller, and we get the lesser quarterback. We just can't take that chance on if we're wrong. You know? So I'm sure some GMs think of it that way. And again, that's not... I've outlined it as of you. Like that's not the only reason that I wouldn't take Levis, but but if if that's the point you bring up, yeah, I, I don't know that I'd be able to stomach it for a number of reasons. One, I believe in CJ Stroud. I, I've always had him ahead of Levis on this board and thought that that dream was over once the Colts didn't trade up with Carolina to go get the number one pick. Now that all these rumors, which is all they are, the rumors are smoking, the Vegas market's moving, but now the idea that it goes young, Texans are like, well, that was our guy. I guess we're not taking anybody here. And then Stroud's in your lap. The value would probably be too good at that point. I mean, point what if pass it. the media and us included in this is all just overhyping the talent of these quarterbacks and the reason why they're passing on a quarterback there at number two is because they think one of the other two of Richardson or Levis will be available there later in the first round for that second pick they've got. That's the big question that I oh, have wow. in all this, yeah, too. Oh, yeah, it's interesting. Because sure. It, because if they're... If, if kind of like last year, everyone thought it would, there would be two or three quarterbacks selected in the first round, just turned out to be Kenny Pickett, 
and now look how everyone else has panned out. It's kind yeah. of a similar situation or vibe that I'm getting right now with these four quarterbacks because we've been hyping it up nationally and locally that, oh, there's a chance that quarterbacks could go one, two, three, four. There's a very good chance that they don't go one, two, three, four. Uh, the more and more you look into this uh, with Vegas shifting the odds and then a report yesterday from ESPN saying that Houston's not going to take a quarterback if Bryce Young isn't there for them at two. Well, that's the thing is Houston's at two and 12 to what you're saying there, Eddie. So let's just say they've got their eye on Will the Thrill Levis. He very well might be there at 12. I, I doubt that Anthony Richardson or CJ Stroud would be, but... Yeah, no, you never know. There have been crazy things that happen. Hey, if you look at the mock drafts, Will Levis might be available in round four, the way things are trending right now. <laughs> so who knows? But it's an interesting point of Houston. It's like how much separation is there in the eyes of the teams and the GMs? Right? It's one thing if you're reading mock drafts and you'll hear, oh, there's clear separation between Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and the rest of the quarterbacks. Does every NFL team see it that way? What if the Houston Texans say, yeah, we don't think there's that much separation between the top two. Yeah, we, we might look at Levis if he's there at 12. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. We got a lot to talk about here, Jimmy. Lots going on. Coming up next, mm, wind totals are out. We got a long way to go before rosters are set, but to take an early peek at certain win totals, including the AFC South, should be an interesting little exercise right there. We will uh, dip our beaks into those waters right around the corner. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. A little bit later this hour, Jimmy, I think we have to do our, uh, our uh, movie analysis here. Have you seen? You've seen the new uh, Super Mario <laughs> yes, Brothers I have. movie. I have indeed. Yes. Have you seen Air yet? Not seen Air yet. No. I've seen Air. I've got a funny story to tell you uh, here in about I don't know, fifteen minutes or so. I see Air outside the thing on the circle <laughs> <laughs> by the guy and the, yeah, the, the, the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're not a big movie goer, honey, huh? Eddie Garrison. No. I don't you're too, see you're the too value big time anymore. for the thing. It's beneath you. Is that what it is? It's not beneath me. I just don't see the value anymore of spending money to go see a movie when I can just watch it in like two months from the comfort of my own house. You outrageous, outrageous. Now we've got season win totals over here in the NFL. This is beautiful. So according to BetMGM, they've got season win totals for all of the NFL teams. Now. Before we go any further, we know this is before the draft, okay? <laughs> There's a lot that can change roster-wise. That's how wise. confident we are. We yeah. don't care about the draft. Yeah, between now and when the when week one rolls around, there's this little detail with Lamar Jackson to be ironed out, right? So of all these win totals and all these teams, let's circle the Colts first and foremost. Now, Jimmy, this might be putting you on the spot here. This might be unfair. I would have... I, I mean, I have the answer right in front of me. I don't even know what my guess would yeah, be. Yeah, no, I do too. So you need to ask Eddie. I'm sorry. I, I, okay. wanted, I wanted to have an idea for the season. Hey, no problem. So. Eddie, what, what do you think the season win total would be for the Indianapolis Colts? Let's see. They have the NFC South this year. I'm going to go with six and a half. That's exactly right. Six and a half, right on the nose. I feel like you deserve some winning music over here. You know, I, I don't have any handy, but if I did, actually I do. There we go. There we go. Fiesta. Good job, Eddie. Very nicely done. Six and a half for the Colts. Of course, they were 4-12-1 last season. Now, this might be incredibly unfair, but we're expecting the Colts to have a rookie quarterback with a, a top four pick, whether it's three or four. 
I mean, what do you think about that season win total? Six and a half, knowing where the rest of the roster it, it is trending right now, right? Like we know that the usual usual suspects, they're light at corner. We do know they have Ebu Kam. They picked him up to go along with DeForest Buckner. Shaquille Leonard will be back. Six and a half in that ragtag division. They can't get to seven wins. What do you think there, Jimmy? So I hate it. Hate it for a lot of reasons because if there's one thing we talk about not knowing where the draft is at, if there's one thing Vegas is usually pretty good at, it's giving you a number that will drive you crazy. With any of these teams, go to the top, the very tippy top, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, and go down to you know the lowly areas of the Colts and Texans. I would, I would probably take... Both AFC South teams. I would Those probably, dark alleys <laughs> of the AFC South bottom feeders. Yeah, I, I would. I would probably take the over as ever the optimist, but like I, I see it as a as a six to eight range for where they are next year. So I, I and if it's six, that's the under. Obviously, there's the math. Yeah, six and a half. Right. So I would probably go uh, whatever seven and ten next year. Yeah. I'll take you the over. T- hey, that would, that would get you over right there. Jimmy's but- an over guy, Brian. He doesn't bet unders. Yeah. And when he does, they lose, and then he goes, that's why I don't bet unders. <laughs> that's okay. why I don't bet the, unders. The, I hate the, the unders. The obvious choice, though, like to me, throwing the divisions aside with where the roster's at, not knowing if it's Minshew or Stroud or Levis or Richardson or another candidate through door number three, the easy answer is under for me. Like, yeah, do I think they're really going to be like a competitive team even against the South? No, I, I could very well just see this being a five and twelve team next year. But no, I, I I'm more optimistic. I, again, they're not a, pl- a playoff team per se, but yeah, I think six to eight wins, I'll go over. I think that's a, a very fair number to start yeah. off the season because. I, you know, sometimes you think, man, seven wins in that division? Shouldn't they be able to do that? I mean, you didn't have Shaq Leonard for most of last season. You just start talking yourself into stuff. But then you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> They've got a rookie quarterback. That's a big deal. Okay? You normally don't see wins galore with any rookie. It's rare when you see that. Um And then you look at the holes on the roster. I was just saying before the segment started, it's amazing how the perception of a a roster can change so dramatically from one season to the next. Because we know two years ago, and I have to mention his name, Carson Wentz. I do have to mention that. right? When they had Carson Wentz as the starter, it was disappointing down the stretch, lost their final two games. The game at Jacksonville was a disaster. We all know how it went. But the roster wasn't looked at the same way it is now off the heels of a 4-12-1 season. Now the roster, we look at it, there are holes all over the place. Like, what is going on with this roster? Sometimes it's it goes a little bit too far where I don't think the Colts, I, you know, I don't think they have as many holes as commonly believed. I'm not telling you they have none. They do have holes, but I think it's blown out of proportion because they're coming off a 4-12-1 season. I'll give you an example. Look at the Bengals, okay? A couple of years ago, the Bengals were 4-11-1. We weren't talking about their roster being really solid and, oh, it was all like, what are they doing grabbing Jamar Chase? They need an offensive line. Joe Burrow just got hurt, tore his ACL, his knees all ripped up. That's what we talked about. That team went to the Super Bowl and almost won it. You know what I mean? So the point is, sometimes we can blow out of proportion just how horrible the roster is off of a bad season, wins and losses wise. And I do think that's part of what's going on with the Colts right now. There are still, though, the, the noise has gotten louder, but there were still like 
casual comments made of oh the the line really regressed that year with Wentz. What's happening? Why 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 are there struggles there? Did you just say regressed? I, I did, Eddie. Let's drive past it. Okay, I apologize. The, you you <laughs> look at you look at the wide receiver. Kids you look at the wide receiver room for them, and it was they need another weapon. Michael Pittman Jr. is fine. How are you going to supply Matt Ryan with something of the talent variety that's going to help him get back to where he was? Didn't happen for him, but they got Alec Pierce. He has another year now to develop. We know how hard it is for rookie wide receivers to be able to learn the NFL system that they are being brought up with and also just adjust to the style at the NFL level. You hope he takes another leap this year. But the noise has gotten louder, particularly around the offensive line, because once again, they thought they had the answer at quarterback. You've paid a number of pieces on the O-line. Not only did they end up costing Matt Ryan, again, I'm not saying it was entirely the offensive line's fault. Matt Ryan had his flaws, but it also set back Jonathan Taylor. He winds up getting injured for a time or two last year. He takes a step back in terms of the best of the best running back he was the year before. These issues have always been there for the Colts, but the volume gets louder among the fan base the worse the season gets. And it has been a cliff dive the last three seasons, win by win by win record. You know, if you're looking for an over in the division, so let's look at all the division uh, uh, teams here in the AFC South. So Jacksonville, their season win total is at 10 and a half for Jacksonville. Good look. You got to get to 11 wins if you take the over for the Jags right there. That's that's a little uh, pricey right there. You have the Titans at seven and a half. We mentioned the Colts at six and a half. The Texans are at five and a half. The basement bargain price. It's the Arizona Cardinals and the Houston Texans. They right now have the lowest season win totals at five and a half. Respectively, right? Of course, right? You have to add that in there. But Appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, if you look at the Texans, you know, I'm telling you what, Jimmy Cook, I don't know who they're going to end up with at quarterback there, assuming they take a quarterback, but I don't think they're going to be a doormat for much longer. Damian Pierce is a real running back. You picked up Dalton Schultz, the Cowboys tight end, who's pretty good, right? Pretty good player. You've got Derek Stingley Jr., who's a very good cornerback, showed his skills last year. Jimmy Ward, the former uh, Niners safety, he follows D'Amico Ryans over there to the Texans. you got to get to six wins in a division that is not exactly a gauntlet. Like, I think that's absolutely doable without knowing exactly who they have behind center. With all those pieces you mentioned, there was one position group that you, de- you didn't mention. Name a wide receiver for the Houston Texans. Well, they picked up Noah Brown. Woohoo! They picked him up. Um, maybe not going to do wonders for you. You do have Robert Woods, who's a good slot receiver. Nico Collins is not going to do wonders for you, but they need to get a wide receiver, okay, Eddie Garrison? They need a wide receiver. They're not a finished roster, so they absolutely need a top wideout, which they don't have. John Mechie, who was their second round pick last year, with him being sick, what was it, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? Yes. This is a terrible story right there, but yeah. they were hoping John Mechie was their guy, but he was sick, and that absolutely threw a wrench into their plans, no doubt. Yeah, that has to be taken into account, and you know, obviously throughout his progression, you know, you, you continue to hope that John Mechie is, is, in general, with his battle there and, and whatever the future holds them in the NFL, like there's a lot of people that still view him in terms of Whenever, if he does return to the NFL as, as a 
top quality talent, but that's unfortunate in general. Both the struggles that John Mechie said to go with his battle with cancer, and then of course, I mean the Texans are a mess. I'm not gonna like, I'm not, I'm not gonna use John Mechie and, and his cancer diagnosis uh, to at all give a pass for what the Texans have struggled to have since they traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Still inexplicably blows my oh, mind that Bill O'Brien did that trade yeah. uh, with the Arizona Cardinals a couple of years back. I, I'm not touching any type. If you call me an over guy, that's fine. I'll gladly take the under with the Texans and, and sleep comfortable. Whoa. With it. Just not, not. I don't. I don't believe in that franchise, especially if if the if the rumors are true that they don't take a quarterback at two. You think I'm going to take Davis Mills wait. on a ride for over five and a half? Wait, no, I'm good. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Let's just recap what just happened here. Eddie Garrison detailed how you, Jimmy Cook. You are over guy personified, okay? If you take an under, it's wrong, and that's why you're like, I don't take these stupid unders. That's why I don't. I rage against left the out under one machine. Nugget. He left out one important nugget. The reason I don't bet unders, and they're usually point totals, is because I'm sorry. I like offense. I don't want to have to. Ru- what? One more stop, boys. Let no. I don't want. I, I want three. Don't, don't I want to be, be shot in the corner and be excited about it. I don't want to be just kind of biting my nails like, what are you doing? No, don't take that. What are we doing? I don't want that on my plate. I don't. That's why. That's why I go over because I'm an offensive guy. Okay. Win so- totals. I can be swayed. That's. Because I don't care. I don't have a rooting interest. I don't need to root for the Texans to win or lose. That has no impact on my emotion. I can casually be like, ha, they lost again. Or, yay, they won. That's fine. Live game action? Nah. Give me offense That makes all day. sense. I hear you on that. But still, at your core, you're under guy. I'm sorry, you're over guy at your core. Yeah. More so for totals, in-game action, yes. that type of thing. Basketball we're talking about. Yeah. Maybe even football because you're not... You're still rooting for points in football, yes. that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but season win total is a little bit of a different animal. But with all that being said, you're still like, oh, I can sleep comfortably with the Texans under. Especially <laughs> if they don't take a quarterback and it's date. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not. I still haven't been impressed by hold Davis hold Mills hold to a level hold that hold I'm hold like, yeah, they're fine. This is they an important him. question, though. Yeah. So Davis Mills, he would be in what? Year three? Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Year three. He So. Davis Mills year three or CJ Stroud year one? Seriously, like honest question. Who are you expecting more from? Like who who would I start or who do I think gives you a better chance to win? Who do you think gives you a better chance to win, be more productive? Is it Stroud. Davis? You think Stroud yeah. year one? Yeah. Again, more I, so than Mills to, year three? I, I'm more, we're talking about now my, where in sports I'm more conservative and where I'm more aggressive. I would still probably sit any quarterback I'm taking for a year. Like I, I'm, I'm more old school in that regard. But if you're making me say, who do I think gives you a better chance if you're throwing that belief by the wayside? Yeah, give me CJ Stroud. Put him in there. Be fine. Wow. Interesting. I'm not telling you uh, Davis Mills is exactly lit it up over here. So year one, just a, a rough gauge. All right, 16 touchdowns, 10 picks. Last season, Davis Mills, 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. So not not great. No. He's actually regressed in his uh, second season there. But uh, you know what? Here's the thing, though. I, I would disagree with you, Jimmy. I think that production-wise, and trust me when I say this, I do not think Davis Mills is some franchise quarterback in the making, some difference maker. He's just a guy, okay? That's Davis Mills. But in year three, when he's had all of these NFL reps, and he's used to not having a who's who surrounding him in terms of wide receivers to throw to, I actually would expect more statistically 
and wins-wise from Davis Mills in year three than I would C.J. Stroud in year one. Now, C.J. Stroud, when he gets to year three, I would expect him to have a better year three than Davis Mills. But when it's year three compared to year one, that is, I think that's advantage Davis Mills, really. So that's the interesting thing. If you're betting today on the Texans, I think you're actually better if you take over five and a half with them passing on a quarterback this year and it's running it back with Davis Mills. Does that make me a crazy person? I really do think that's the case. When I look at the win totals of the Colts and the Jaguars, I'm, I'm not certain on the Titans yet. I haven't made up my mind. But when I look at the Colts and the Jaguars, and Eddie brings up the softness of the fact that you have to play the NFC South along with your own crummy division, you think, man, winnable games here for all these teams. Yeah. I look at the Texans with those same games, and I see to myself, yeah, it's going to be an ugly affair that comes down to the wire, and you know, there's gonna probably going to be a lot of heartbreak on the Texans' side of things. So it, not ignoring the idea, because that's a fair point about the growth you could see from Mills, and maybe you're right that a third-year starter – even though Stroud is the better upside, maybe he'd be more ready to attack and get you more wins on a win total. That's not my basis for why I'm staying away from the Texans. It's that I don't think they're a great team at all. Like on on mm-hmm. on, on almost like every aspect you want to look at them, you could find a hole, clear holes. Unlike the Colts, where maybe we're over exaggerating in a couple spots. I don't want to be a part of that marching uh, <laughs> a band to the unders. I'll take the under and feel comfortably. Well, the interesting thing I'll say this real fast is. When you look at the rookie quarterbacks, think about the rookies from two seasons ago. Sure. When we're talking about Trevor Lawrence and all those dudes, right? Their numbers were freaking awful. (laughs) Okay. Like Trevor Lawrence's rookie season, 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Like his passer rating is under 72. Like just awful. (laughs) And look at him now. Look how how much he's uh, progressed over there. And you look at other rookies, uh, Justin Fields, when he was a rookie, seven touchdowns, 10 interceptions. You know, Zach Wilson, nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions. You know, like it was really, really bad. So more times than not, that's what you see from rookie quarterbacks. But just something to keep in mind. All right, coming up next, something interesting to keep in your head as we actually spin it forward beyond the draft. It'll make some sense, but just something that occurred to me right now. We'll share it with you next. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You know what I was thinking of? Uh, when we get beyond the NFL draft and you start thinking about the matchups this year, it's going to be really interesting to see these rookie quarterbacks face each other. If, if they're on the field at the same time, right? Like some of these guys might not start immediately. But it just got me thinking, Jimmy, think about the Colts. They play the NFC South. So whoever the Panthers' rookie quarterback is, it could be Bryce Young versus Will Levis when it's the Panthers and the Colts or however it shakes out. But I haven't really thought about it like that. I'm just so focused on the draft, and let's get to that step of the equation, and then we'll think beyond that. But for a second, as we're looking at these win totals for 2023, and hey, the Colts play the NFC South, it just popped into my head, oh, wow, isn't that going to be cool to see However it shakes out, Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson when it's Panthers, Colts. That's going to be really fun to see these rookie quarterback matchups in 2023. Yeah, it'll be top-level storylines for sure. It'll be a great opportunity to you know kind of get a gauge for if you view the wide receiver rooms about the same in Carolina and Indy. Again, I think it's a little better in Indianapolis, but you know they're both, both where they are because of where they are. 
I look forward to that. That'll be a date that's circled on the calendar. I would remind folks that, again, this is this is my way of thinking. Not everybody agrees this way of thinking. These are not two pitching matchups, right? Like we, we, people mm-hmm. like to compare tails to tape. If a young shows up Levis or vice versa, Levis was not the cornerback on that play, nor was young. Like it, it, as long as we're careful with that, because people too often like to make it, ah, it's two heavyweights about to go up. Well, they're both, you know, they're both offensive players. So it's take it for what you will. That seems like a, a Jimmy Cook pet peeve right there. I don't know if it's quite like the first stoppage in college basketball not, not after quite. the 16-minute mark. Not quite. You know, but it's got to be on the short list right there it's of there. pet peeves. Yeah, it's there for sure. All right, we'll see if uh, your guy, Eddie Garrison, throws you under the bus for uh, a mispronounced word like request <laughs> in the second hour. We'll, we'll find that out. Also, we'll talk to Kevin Bowen huh? from Kevin and Query. He's up next. I'll give you my air story. We'll talk some movies, Colts, sports, all kinds of stuff. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. Keep it locked right here, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You know, quick story for you, Jimmy. So I went to the movie theater with my girl last week, and uh, we go to get popcorn, right? And uh, the guy, he goes, are you seeing Air? You know, the movie Air yeah. about Nike trying to sign Michael Jordan out of college. And uh, I go... Uh, uh, no, no, I want to see it though. And he he looks at me. He goes, "Oh, because of your hoodie." And I had this Nike hoodie on, which I'm wearing right now, by the way. It just has like Nike, 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 a million Nikes all over. And I just laughed to myself, like, "Ah, oh, that makes sense." <laughs> like you would think that we were going to see the Super Mario Brothers movie is what we were doing right there. But uh, two very, very good movies. Excellent. I would encourage everybody to check them out. Air and the Super Mario Brothers movie. Very good. We welcome in Kevin Bowen from Kevin and Query here to the show. KB, you seen any good movies lately, man? Man, the last time I was in a theater was for um, Top Gun last year. My wife and I went, so no, to answer your question. But I have heard good things about both of what you just were referencing there. Mark Dykton saw Super Mario Brothers with his dear couple of young kids um, last week and said it was great. So um, rainy day might be a good thing to do. Man, so we're talking, when was Maverick? That was months and months ago. You don't make it out there very often, huh? No, me and movie theaters, um, yeah, I, I, I can't say that's that's too top of mind. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a miracle to get you know the two and a half year old to sit through ten minutes of Bluey. So uh, <laughs> we just we just try to keep it in as much of a confined environment as we can. But my wife and I did go to the movie theater right here um, off Mass Ave, Bottle Works area. Really nice. Um, we did that last year for a little Maverick action and. I cannot envision myself in the movie theater for quite some time. I hear you on that, man. Well, if we spin it toward the draft, what do you make of all this movement in the betting community for Bryce Young being the number one overall pick? Yeah, I I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've been a Bryce Young guy throughout. Um, I think to me, he is the guy that has the most poise of any of these quarterbacks and just looks like he's in full control when he's out there Um, for those reasons. I like him. I, I understand the weight and the durability question that you would have. That's very fair. Um, but it seems like he's going to go one. And, and now, you know, how much do you believe April draft smoke? I guess would be the next question. But I 
was under the impression that, you know, Arizona would be the pivot point of the draft and they would kind of kick things off as the first real unknown. And now it seems like if Bryce Young goes one, that it maybe could be the Houston Texans of the first kind of pivot point of this draft. Kev, to that end, the conversation for the last couple of weeks with those assumptions in line was, okay, well, it's either Levis or it's Richardson for the Colts, assuming both or one of them are there at four. If we now throw the wrench into the mix of C.J. Stroud potentially falling or, or being available to you, that, that changes everything for me. And, 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 and where the value would be if he's at four or if the Cardinals come at you with an offer or a counter offer they receive from another team at three, I'd do everything in my power to go get C.J. Stroud. Has that moved at all for you, the idea that if that smoke is real, if the betting markets are real, that maybe Stroud is going to be available for the Colts after all? Big time. Uh, couldn't agree more with you, Jimmy. Uh, you know, it, again, let's play it, play it out. Okay, Will Anderson goes two to Houston. That means when Arizona gets on the clock, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Nancy, and Richardson are all available. So if you're the Colts, you can look at that one of two ways. You can look at it as, all right, that means two of those three names will be there when we get on the clock after Arizona selection or whoever picks. Or you could look at it and say, we have one of those quarterbacks ranked higher than the rest. And for me... Again, that would be a call of C.J. Stroud. What I think would hurt the Colts in that situation, first off, you would have a lot of teams just that they can trade it up. And two, and this is probably the bigger factor to weigh, Will Anderson would obviously be off the board in that scenario. He would have gone two to Houston. You know, by all accounts, Will Anderson is the cleanest defensive prospect, probably the one that Arizona would like to come away with. I think if you look at their team, You know, finding a young edge rusher makes a whole lot of sense. But if he all of a sudden is no longer there, then Arizona probably isn't in this situation internally where they're saying, hey, if we trade back, we don't want to go too far back. We just want to go back one spot to four with Indy because we want to take Will Anderson. And obviously the Colts would come up and take a quarterback. So they would still get the top defensive choice and the top defensive player in this draft. But with Anderson off the board, now they might not feel as big of an urge to stay as high as possible. They might say, hey, we'll move back to six or seven if a team's going to throw in an extra whatever, second rounder, and I'm just kind of throwing out um, you know, trade picks at this point. So there's a lot of factors to weigh into all of that. But to answer the question, Jimmy, yes, if C.J. Stroud were a factor at number three, I'd be doing everything I could to move from four to three. He's Kevin Bowen from Kevin and Query joining us here on The Fan. How about, uh, you're talking about the top of the draft there, KB. What would you expect if Bryce Young does go number one overall? What would you expect the Houston Texans to do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I, I probably have been more of a listener to the C.J. Stroud, Deshaun Watson agency sort of storyline than most. I just think that situation got real ugly real quick. David Mulligata strikes me as an agent that could potentially hold a bit of a grudge for longer. If you look at his client list, I don't think you'll find one Houston Texan on that client list, and you'll find a good amount of teams represented there. Um, You know, I could – if I were Houston, it would be hard for me to pass on Bryce Young and or C.J. Stroud but I also could kind of understand that they are in a bit of a unique situation compared to others up there. And by others, I probably mean the Colts at four. 
And by that, I mean this. Houston has the 12th pick this year. They also already have two first-rounders next year. So if they are thinking to themselves, hey, we already have the 12th pick. If we can take a pass rusher that is a, you know, whatever, the next J.J. Watt or however you want to look at Will Anderson, and he's going to be a generational player for us at a really important position, and then they look at it and say, hey, we'll just be – you know, probably in some sort of tank mode. And if not, we feel like we have enough draft ammunition to move up next year and take a quarterback. We're very patient with D'Amico Ryans. And, you know, he wants to be a defensive-minded coach. And he came from San Francisco where they had, you know, the best defensive player in the league last year in Nick Bosa. And so for all of those reasons, it makes sense for us to go that route. I, I don't love it. But I, I could understand it if I were a Houston Texan fan. Kevin Bowen with us. You can follow him on Twitter at kbowen1070. KB, earlier this week when player availability was there and the offseason programs officially began, obviously that early week with a new head coach in Shane Steichen. I know that uh, DeForest Buckner had talked to the media, and he mentioned that he does not like the word rebuild. And, and I get that. I mean, that, that everybody has their pet peeves, but – when you look at what this season is going to be, regardless of what word you attach it, does that mean that he has higher expectations for what this roster can do this year outside of, you know, clearly a transitional season for the team? Um, I, I just think he didn't really want to admit what probably is reality, hmm. uh, to be totally honest with you. And again, he went through this in San Francisco as a very young player. Right. Um, well, you know, what I thought was particularly interesting is you know, I, I asked him the question more so like he's a veteran defensive player that's very accomplished in the league. And so I asked him this because he is that. And I, and I just kind of let off with, you know, when you see Stephon Gilmore traded and the expectation that they do take a quarterback early on, you know, on paper, I know you hate the word rebuild, but on paper, you know, isn't it, you know, kind of a, a, a rebuild. And, and he just, you know, really kind of offered up on his own. Like, you know, I understand what Gilly Gilmore, you know, w- wanted to do. And, and I've thought, you know, when the Gilmore trade happened that there could be some of a, Hey, I don't want to be part of this. The age of 32, I'm year 12. And that's just not what I want to do. And, and Buckner said, you know, have, had I been in year 12, he's in year eight, you know, maybe I would think a little bit differently with that. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting from Buckner, like in a way kind of admitting that, yeah, I understand what is happening here. Um, I'm in year eight. San Francisco is a great, you know, team to, I think, look at and that the rebuild didn't take too long for them based off when Buckner was experiencing to them getting the Super Bowl. Not to say the Colts are going to be in the Super Bowl in the next couple of years, but I think Buckner is willing to kind of give it a chance, whereas Gilmore probably looked at his situation and thought, I might only have one more year at this. Uh, I'm not wasting my time with a team that, you know, could be drafted in the top ten again next year. You know, KB, what is it, UPS, that say, what can Brown do for you, you know? And I, I would just apply that to the, the draft where we look at it, what can the QBs do for you? What can the QBs do for the teams? If we flip that and say, what can the teams provide for the quarterbacks? So if you think about that, at the top of the draft, where it's Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, if you're those guys, would you prefer to go to Carolina and what they have or to Houston and what they would offer you? 
Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I'm just such a believer in offensive coaches, um, and I know that probably in this market people view Frank Reich in a very, I don't know, different light from an offensive mind, but I, I would tend to side with having stability on that side of the ball, whereas if you have a defensive-minded head coach and you're a young QB, if and when you have sex off, success offensively, all of a sudden your offensive coordinator, your quarterback's coach could move on in a hurry. So I think that is something that I would look at. You know, as far as personnel, I don't want to act like Carolina – and or uh, Houston have great offensive personnel by any means. Uh, you know, Houston has a really good young running back and Damian Pierce. Their wideout group is pretty ugly looking. Carolina's made some moves this offseason to try and help out in losing DJ Moore. I probably would like their weapons maybe a little bit more from a pass-catching standpoint. But I think the overall point that you bring up, Brian, is something that we don't give enough credence to. Like, you, you – you draft the quarterback, well, then you've got to support him. You have to support him from a coaching staff standpoint. You have to support him from a personnel standpoint. I, I go back to the 2012 draft. The Colts took a generational quarterback number one overall, the guy that everybody you know wanted since more so than any other QB has come out since Peyton Manning. And what did the Colts do? They then drafted his college tight end in the second round, <laughs> another tight end in the third round, and then traded back into the third round to take T.Y. Hilton. So they went tight end, tight end, wide out. Then they took a running back and a wide out again on day three. So, again, and that is a generational quarterback, not, you know, I don't think we're talking about anybody in this draft class in that same light. Obviously, the Colts reaped great benefits from that, and Andrew Luck walking in and having great success as a rookie. So, for me, um, that is something I'm really, really curious about. If I were going to purely list the needs for the Colts heading into the draft in less than two weeks, cornerback would be the top non-quarterback need without question. But then when I think to myself, every roster move from here on out for the next several years needs to be about first trying to support that quarterback as best as possible. Then all of a sudden I kind of play devil's advocate and think, well, maybe you shouldn't go corner you know, right away at, at pick 35, even though purely on the depth chart, that's what you would do. So I just think overall supporting the QB is not something that we that we give enough of attention to. Kevin, I wanted to get clarity for the listening audience. I know you've talked about this a little bit on Kevin and Query as well, but you mentioned in your piece earlier this week on 107.5thefan.com, your, your Wednesday notebook, a lot of different topics in there about Lamar Jackson and that storyline kind of getting the door closed. We've already talked a little bit about DeForest Buckner, but you mentioned that when Shane Steichen is interacting with the media or when, he, when he's just having conversations in general, whether it's one-on-ones or whatever the situation is, you feel like he's very concise and he's clear about things. So far, when I've heard Shane Steichen speak, obviously I'm not on the beat like you are, but, but I hear the snippets, I hear the sound bites, I hear phrases like the separations and the preparation and make me think, okay, mm-hmm. that's coach speak 101, that's great. But clearly with the more in-depth conversations you've had, there's not a lot of beating around the bush at things. How is that different from past regimes when you've been on the beat? And, and what can, I guess, Colts fans expect, those that, you know, watch every second of press conferences the Monday after a game? Yeah, he's easily the most direct, concise communicator that I have covered, you know, here in Indy, which, you know, covered the end of the Cold War era into Chuck, into Frank. And, I mean, I guess we call it a Jeff Saturday era as well. <laughs> um, so, 
that to me is abundantly clear. Um, you know, the comparison that I've made is like, okay, Nick Sirianni emotion is on one end of the spectrum. Frank Reich emotion is on the other end. I think if Sirianni's at 100 and Frank's at a zero, I think Shane Steichen is a little bit more like in the 60-70 range. Like he, he is kind of a combination of the, of the two, but I think he's going to be a little bit more fiery than Frank would have been or, or, or Frank was. Um, you know, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, you know, all of those guys, Jalen Hurts, all those guys speak really highly of his ability to communicate within that Eagles offense. So you know, I think that is something to note as well. Um, I, I just feel like, you know, when you have the age groups that are in the NFL, and I mean, hell, this goes for a lot of us, and, and Jimmy, you are squarely in that age group. I mean, attention spans are not long. So <laughs> I think being a, a – that wasn't meant as a shot. Uh, I think – What you say? I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Well played by you. Thanks. Um, being as direct and concise as a communicator as you can, I think, is very important. And so that makes sense to me. Um, you know, I, I said this earlier today. I know this is not exactly what you were asking, but it's Shane Steichen related. You know, I don't feel overly confident. Let's say Bryce Young goes and C.J. Stroud goes before the Colts. I don't feel overly confident about Will Levis and or Anthony Richardson. I mean, you know this, Jimmy, full well. Last summer, I wanted Benedict Matherin more than anything for the Patriots. Yeah. You know, I was standing on a table for it, and I don't have that same conviction towards one of those two quarterbacks I mentioned. What I do have pretty strong conviction about, I I do believe in Shane Sykin. And I and I do believe that his quarterback resume should make Colts fans feel pretty excited about the direction that they do decide to go. And if Shane Sykin has identified someone that he feels confident is worthy of that pick, I think that, you know, he's kind of earned the right to have that that trust. Now again, as we've talked about throughout this interview, there are a ton of other factors that you have to do to try and support that guy. And nothing is a slam dunk until you get him into this environment. But I do think based off the different styles and shapes and sizes of quarterbacks he's worked with, that would give me some confidence. KB, you're the man. Anything crazy going on this weekend? Oh, boy. Crazy and weekends thankfully exited the the brain a long time ago. Um, Unless the bachelor party pops up on the radar every now and again so not a whole lot i think we could be looking at a zoo morning tomorrow maybe oh. my niece's soccer game i gotta get some mulch so at some point <laughs> we gotta cover that um but yeah there is uh yeah uh nothing nothing too crazy boring as hell to be honest with you. I, I do i like the story though the story sounds fantastic i love that plan. Yeah, well, hey, if mulch ends up being on the agenda, man, I hope that spruces up the weekend right there. I hope it's uh, fantastic there. Uh, Well, KB, thanks for the time, man. Hope you have a great weekend, bud. Thanks, Kev. All right, boys. Have a good one. Thank you. All right, thank you. There he is, Kevin Bowen, Kevin and Query. How about that? Mulch? It's just so funny, different stages of life, you know? I might be at the mulch stage sometime soon here, Jimmy, you know? Like, life changes so quickly where it's, you know, mulch and soccer games, potentially. And earlier in KB's days, it was not mulch and soccer games. You know what I mean? It's just funny how that goes. Circle of life. Comes for us all. (laughs) I do like, I have to point this out. There was so much good stuff. We'll we'll get to all that from KB, but 
when he talked about getting his kid to sit through Bluey, you know, I'm sure you've had this, Jimmy, where they're still young. What are you, like 18? How old are you now? Okay. All right. Okay. Come on. I I don't know if you have friends who have kids yet. I'm not sure. All right. You've got friends with kids, Jimmy? I do. I do. Okay, you do. All right. I'm just making sure. I didn't know. 28, by the way. Out of decade. Thank you. All right. All right. (laughs) I wasn't sure, but uh, some of my friends have kids, and it's just hilarious to me where... Uh, one of my buddies in New York, Duke, he owns Duke's Barbershop. If you're ever in <laughs> Albany, New York, get your, your haircut there. But um, I remember I was there, I don't know, within the last year or so, and he's got a young kid. And the kid is just a young kid, right? They're starting to get into stuff, like starting to throw seat cushions around. And then it gets to a point and Duke's like, put something on TV. Just put anything on TV. And the kid will just stop and stare at the television. I swear, that is a weapon as a parent right there to just get some sanity in your life. Is it not? Do you have friends that do the same stuff? No, it it absolutely is. The part where I feel bad about KB is that if you're only getting through 10 minutes of Bluey, that the failsafe is broken. Like, I, know. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you do there. What's the fire extinguisher emergency break glass type situation you have? What's your well, failsafe? to be fair, Bluey episodes are like 12 minutes long. Okay, well, that I need that context. That, that is, man, our our attention spans getting that much shorter. <laughs> That's crazy right now. If we can't get them through TV, <laughs> I remember my nephews. I saw them yesterday. We went to the Mario Brothers movie, but they're older now. They're like twenty and eighteen, um, right around that. I'd have to do the math exactly. I can't do it on the fly, but right around that. And uh, I'll never forget. It was like yesterday. Ty, my younger nephew, he was, I don't know, four or five. He was young at the time. And I go, uh, are you guys big uh, Blues Clues fans? And he goes, no, we're huge fans. <laughs> I stand corrected. I understand now. Uh, yeah, okay, so a lot of different directions to go in. Talking ball with Kevin Bowen right there. And some interesting stuff. I thought this too, Jimmy. Let's, let's go with this for a second. If we look at the top of the draft, and we'll weave our way down to the Colts here. We don't have to weave too far. But if you look at the top two picks, right, Panthers and Texans right now, respectively, if you're Bryce Young or you're C.J. Stroud, would you hope to go to the Panthers? Number one, I know there's some prestige being the number one overall pick. Like, put that to the side. Just look at fit. Look at what you have to work with, winning. You both have... Ragtag divisions, you know, in the NFC South, AFC South. But what you're surrounded by, KB made a really good point about an offensive-minded head coach in Frank Reich. Maybe that comes into the equation there. I don't know about you. I would much rather go to the Texans. Much rather. You think about, what is it, Lil John that has the song, Shots, 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 shots. The Texans have nothing but picks, 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 <laughs> picks. They, they've got a wealth of treasure chest of picks ever since that Deshaun Watson deal. Like they've got a lot to work with draft equity-wise. Look at the Panthers. They just shipped off all of their top picks to get the number one pick. I'd much rather go to the Texans. You? Would you rather be a Panther or a Texan if you're Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? I'd rather be a Panther, and and there's two reasons why. One, Kevin okay. already mentioned it. The like, Look, I know this is tough to stomach for some Colts fans because – the lasting memory you will have is the struggles of Matt Ryan, Frank Reich being shown the door, and Jeff Saturday entering our lives as an interim head coach. I I, I get that that's going to be hard to ever erase. 
I think Frank Reich is a very talented, offensive-minded head coach. I do think that then if you're taking Young, this isn't a big leap to say. Non-Andrew Luck division, Bryce Young, for the career arc of where the older quarterbacks were they brought in, I like Bryce Young and get giddy about Bryce Young more than I did any of the previous quarterbacks they brought in. Even Rivers, though he did prove me wrong and had a better year than I thought he would. I like the idea of Frank Reich, Bryce Young, or any of these quarterbacks pairing up with Frank Reich. That's A. And B, I'm sorry. This is a like Colts fans not being able to erase their memory of the bad stuff with Frank Reich. I've seen the Texans be one of the most lopsided, mismanaged franchise over the last 10 years. I, I, I don't want any part of that organization. I'm good. Wow. Yeah. Okay. From, from again, Deshaun Watson, like, scandal, remove that for just a second. There were rumblings of that relationship crumbling and teetering before that happened, right? Like, there was contract disputes, everything in general with, it's, it's the McNairs, right? They, they own the Texans, am I right on that? Yeah, yeah. so that, 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 that whole relationship there, accompanied by, and I know it was mainly Bill O'Brien, but they gave him the keys to the Deshaun, or the uh, DeAndre Hopkins trade, all of it. Like, just those two examples alone, I want nothing to do with that franchise. I'm good. I'll go to the That's Carolina. the David Johnson trade, not the DeAndre Hopkins trade, Jimmy. <laughs> 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 Thank you. That's right. <laughs> you know what, Jimmy? You're a great young man. And they you know? have those picks. I don't trust them to do well with those uh, picks. I'm sorry to jump around. Fool me once, Texans. Fine. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, you know, they have these picks. It's going to work out great. No, it won't. I don't, okay. I don't think it will. Okay. All right. You settled down over there. All right. You're, right. Just, you're going I'll, I'll crazy. Calm down. I'll calm down. You, you, right. you talk me off the ledge. I, I'll, I'll push back on both points here. The, the first point is the defensive minded head coach or the head coach with a defensive background. Personally, I think that's overblown because look at some of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, Josh Allen with the Bills. You got a defensive head coach and Sean McDermott. You know, you look at Justin Herbert. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Brandon Staley is a defensive coach. I mean, look at Bill Belichick and what he did with Tom Brady. Or, you know, like, look at Seattle. Look at what Pete Carroll has done as a defensive head coach. Like, Russell sure. Wilson was fantastic there. Geno Smith had easily his best season ever in the NFL last year. So I think that's overblown. I, trust me, I understand it, but I think it's overblown to have this like offensive-minded head coach as if if you have a defensive-minded head coach you're limited or doomed depending on who you're talking to right like i don't think it goes that far i think we put too much into that and the other thing i would say about the texans i'm not going to sit here and tell you they've just gotten it right left and right <laughs> like i won't say that but look at some organizations that have steadily gotten it wrong and they've turned it around lately cincinnati bengals great example they didn't make they didn't have a playoff win for 3 decades and <laughs> they were a whisker away from winning a Super Bowl. Look at the Lions. Look at the laughing stock the Lions have been and some of their picks they've hit on him. Getting Jamison Williams last year after he tore it, tore his ACL in the National Championship game. It's a great pick. So just because you've had a history of getting it wrong doesn't mean it's no doubt going to continue the same way. Now, Washington, okay. <laughs> Washington Commanders, so pretty much the same way for 24 years. But you've seen other organizations that have gotten it wrong steadily, year after year after year, Bengals, Lions, and they've both turned it around. I think things can turn around for the Houston Texans also. I just don't see how they're going to swing and miss on all those picks that they have. It's almost impossible. And 
both those arguments are fair and solid pushbacks, but if you're asking me to be in the mind of a draft prospect and trying to decide where I want to go, yeah, I can't base on what you might do. I have to base on what you've recently done. That's not to say I'm not going to give it my mm. all if you take me, but that's where my mindset would be as a prospect. Is man, look, look again. It's tough. Deshaun Watson would be a great example, if not for, again, everything that, that went just way, way overboard in terms of his conduct and, and how that all transpired. But there were still contract negotiation issues to begin with. The Texans, I thought at the time, when you go look back at that divisional round matchup, Chiefs-Texans and Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes are extended haymakers left and right. Mm-hmm. I thought the Texans had the answer. And so that's the most recent memory I have to go off of is look how everything ended up in Houston. Now I don't want to play there. Now, again, Carolina's not exactly a beacon of success, but I mean, <laughs> Cam Newton panned out. They went to a Super Bowl. Like, at least there's one positive there. And the, the bigger issue for me isn't the defensive versus offensive coach. It's that Frank Reich, maybe you want to drag him for what happened in Indy, and there's a fair line for that to be done. I'd like the proven commodity. This is D'Amico Ryan's first opportunity as a head coach. Not to say he can't turn out and be very, very successful, but yeah, I'd I'd rather go with the veteran coach. rather go to Reich. Well, I I put it this way. We look at at draft picks as lottery tickets, right? It's basically a scratch-off ticket. And we know how it goes. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you win big. Sometimes you don't win anything. (laughs) That's the way it is in the NFL draft. So I bring that up because... The Texans have a lot more scratch-off lottery tickets than the Carolina Panthers do. Carolina just traded their scratch-off lottery tickets to get the number one overall pick. They did. Like, the Houston Texans, they traded their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, to get a bunch of scratch-off lottery tickets. So we know this. Like, the Texans, they've swung and missed a handful of times. Not every time, though. They did have uh, Deshaun Watson. They did have DeAndre Right? So they've had guys. Um, We know that you can't win without a scratch-off lottery ticket. Correct. Okay? So Carolina just traded two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and DJ Moore. They traded all that. You know? I'm banking on the Texans not swinging and missing on their two first-rounders, two second-rounders, everything that they have left. I would bank on them not swinging and missing on all of that compared to the Texans, uh, compared to the Panthers not having it. And I also think... Last point I'll make. Frank Reich, we know what he can do, what he can bring to the table. Do you think that he's that much more valuable than the talent that you would have surrounding you? Like the chances that you're surrounded by more talent when the Texans have that much more draft equity. Like is Frank Reich that much bigger of a difference maker than these two first-round picks we still have left? Like these are premium picks. I, I don't think Frank Reich, Frank Reich is that much more valuable than the talent you have surrounding you. It's a talent-driven league. Coaching matters, but it is talent. Look at Belichick since Tom Brady left. You know, like, Belichick didn't just forget football. Yeah. No, it's a great point. I mean, the more lottery tickets, the better is often how things roll. I would just like the peace of mind of Reich and company, plus I think that the Panthers aren't going to just leave the chest bare when they get a guy like Bryce Young. It might not happen immediately in this draft, but I think they would find ways to get creative and attain more assets to go surround him with playmakers. They're not going to leave him out there to dry. Do do they have a a, a bigger kill to climb than the Texans do? Yes, and that's 
given yeah. based on the two transactions they've made the last two offseasons. Okay, let's get to this coming up next. We got rid of, you know, the Panthers and Texans. Let's look at the Colts. If you're these quarterbacks, if you're Levis, if you're Richardson, if you're C.J. Stroud, would you rather go to Indianapolis or would you rather go to another team in the same draft vicinity, right? We'll we'll play that game around the corner. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. By the way, uh, one correction here. I, I misquoted my nephew Ty there where I asked him when he was about five years old, are you guys big Barney fans? And that's where he looked at me and he goes, no, huge Barney fans. It just popped into my head. So I had, had to get that straight right there. It was not Blue's Clues, it was Barney. And what is Eddie Garrison doing right there, Jimmy? He's just picking a fight, playing some Sammy Hagar. Just playing music. Just playing music. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Just playing music. Just going through the catalog. Just randomly. Ah, let's play this Uh, one. I was going to play shots by Little John, but uh, there's not. There's There's too many words that I can't play on the radio. Shuffle. Shuffle's a fun tool. Sometimes you get get a little surprise there. You know, you Uh never know what's going to arrive. Sure, that's all that was going on right there. (laughs) Now, if you are, let's play this game here. Okay. If you're one of these top quarterback prospects. Would you want to go, like after the top two picks, let's say it's now Bryce Young number one overall. Um, We won't even say where the Texans go with their number two overall pick, okay? So let's just say Bryce Young is off the board, okay? When you're looking at the Colts versus other teams in that area that need a quarterback, which team would you want to end up with, right? Like let's just say... The Raiders. I don't think they're set at quarterback with Jimmy G over there. Let's say the Raiders got aggressive. If you are Anthony Richardson or Will the Thrill Levis or even C.J. Stroud, are you hoping that the Raiders move up to number three overall and get you? Or are you hoping that you go to Indianapolis? Let's just keep it simple. Raiders versus Indy. You're one of the top quarterback prospects. Which team are you hoping to go to? I would rather go to Indianapolis. And the main reason for me is Patrick Mahomes is not there. I think that in terms of being a face of the division and having an easier path to the postseason quicker than Mm. others, even though Trevor Lawrence is there, even though I expect another big leap forward from him as the Jaguars continue to kind of make their ascension with the Peterson and Trevor Lawrence combination. But yeah, I I don't want any part of Las Vegas. And, And this one, again, Brian, you could say organizations can change. That's fine. I'm willing to bend the knee a little bit and yield. The Texans can do it. Uh, having been a lifelong watcher of the AFC West, I'm telling you right now, the Raiders are going to Raider. No, thanks. Mm. I'll stay in Indianapolis, please. Um, You know, I you bring up an interesting point. Mahomes being in the division is uh, that's rough. It's like sticker <laughs> shock when you're, you're trying to buy a new car. It's like, oh, that's, that's rough right there. But I also look at the talent. Now, the talent can change quickly. We know in the NFL. Yep. But it is pretty appealing to be a rookie quarterback and have Devontae yeah. Adams yeah. as your number one receiver. And I also think this. Shane Steichen gets a lot of love. I think it's mostly deserved with his track record with quarterbacks. Um, but I also think Josh McDaniels gets far too much of a bad rap. Like, Josh McDaniels knows what he's doing. 
as a you know like a quarterback coach, offensive coordinator. I don't know as much about it as a head coach, but in terms of coaching quarterbacks, Josh McDaniels is fine. Like I thought he got way too much of the heat last year for Derek Carr not playing very well. If you look at Carr's numbers in 2017, they're virtually the same as his season last year. Almost identical. Even in 2021, very, very comparable numbers to what he did last season when Josh McDaniels took over as the head coach. So the point is, a lot of people say, oh, it's a Josh McDaniels thing. Now, I don't think necessarily. I think it largely was a Derek Carr thing, yeah. and McDaniels got blamed for it. So if you're looking at Raiders versus Colts, you're a top prospect. Where would you rather go? I mean, I I think it's pretty close to a, a dead heat, but I think the the easy answer or the, the more likely answer would be, oh, Indianapolis, stay away from Josh McDaniels. I would not agree with that part of it. Oh, yeah, to be clear, my argument is not against McDaniels, even though, again, the city feels a certain way about him for the you know the clear and obvious reasons that we don't need to divulge into or rehash over. It's more just the, Raider, the Raiders as a whole, the Davis family as a whole, the way that team is run. Like, I've, I've seen enough... I have seen enough mistakes over the years of, of my lifetime uh, being involved in that division to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm I'm good. Thanks. I'm fine. I, Devontae Adams, very appealing. And, you know, it is Vegas. Like, that's also very appealing. Uh, I'll stay in India. Okay, let's let's play this game a little more. Colts or Seahawks? I've seen some mock drafts with Anthony Richardson going number five to Seattle. They might be in the market for a quarterback. We know they re-signed Geno Smith, but they could look quarterback, right? Uh, I would, I'd rather go to Seattle myself. Look, look at your weapons. You've got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. <laughs> You've got Kenneth Walker III, who's a good rookie running back last year. You've got Pete Carroll. They always seem to overachieve. That division, the Niners have a loaded roster. We don't even know if they have a quarterback right now. Yeah. We don't know if they have a franchise quarterback. Like that that's appealing to me. I would rather go there based on who I have to throw to, Pete Carroll's uh, track record. I don't know how much longer Pete's going to coach yeah. there, but <laughs> you got to take that into account, but I think Seattle's a better spot. You? Would you go Indy or Seattle? If you're a top prospect, are you more excited to go to Indy or Seattle? I- I'm willing to that, that's a better argument for me. You're not a better argument, but that that pulls on my heartstrings a little bit more because of the plethora of weapons that are there. Because of, I don't know, like, I don't know, this doesn't matter to a prospect, but for me, it kind of does. Love the atmosphere. Not that Colts fans Mm -hmm. don't get rowdy, but you look at, like, the battle of the two most just intense fan bases in terms of volume in the league for years and years, 2000s and beyond. It's been Kansas City. It's been Seattle. They're the ones that are fighting for, oh, world's loudest stadium and the world record, blah, 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 blah. Very passionate fan base. The weapons are there. The running game's there. Pete Carroll's shelf life concerns me a bit in terms of how much longer he wants yeah. to do it. But yeah, I I wouldn't hate one way or the other. I, I'd probably lean Seattle, but I, I'm i not going to be upset one way or the other there. Okay, last one. Colts versus the world here. <laughs> how about the Lions? You know, the Lions right now, we look at them and, well, Jared Goff had a, a pretty good year, but we, we know he's not going to be your franchise difference-making quarterback for the next 10 years, right? Like, he he's okay. He's, he's good. You can sure. win games with him, but he's not going to be a difference-maker. Um, so let's look at that. They've got the sixth overall pick. Let's say the Lions got aggressive. They leapfrogged the Colts to number three. 
If you're a top prospect, are you like, sweet, I'm going to Detroit? <laughs> or, sweet, I'm going to Indianapolis? I think it's Detroit. Dan Campbell has had a lot of success. I love the vibe over there. I'm not saying you can't have a similar vibe with Indianapolis. I'm not saying that. But I do love the vibe in, in Detroit. And I also love, you look at weapons to throw to, Jimmy? I mean, you got a great one-two punch over there with Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamison Williams, who we got a glimpse of him for a few games after the ACL, you know, uh, rehab and all of that. And that dude is a playmaker. So when you have a one-two like that, I'd rather go to Detroit than Indianapolis. You? I, the, 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 I'm Ross St. Brown's been so kind to me over the years from a fancy football perspective. <laughs> and I do love Jamison Williams. I, had we not reminded me of their receiver room. I was going to be clear Indy. Now it's more of a, of a thought for me because I it wouldn't surprise me genuinely. It would not surprise me if there's a year of regression from Detroit this year. I don't know if I'm just not mm. fully on the Dan Campbell train. I, I don't know what, what it is. Particularly, I can't pinpoint it, but it would not surprise me if there's a year of regression there. I But I'm not for a number of different reasons, I'm going to be the homer here. I'm not picking Detroit over Indianapolis. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna stick with. The so, Colts. so the reasons are yes, just yes, I'm, yes, I'm being a right. homer here. Yes, yes, I'm being a homer. Really? That's, it. That's all. Yeah. No, 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 there's no homering when you're one of the top prospects. Let's sure. say you're, you're Will the Thrill sure. Levis, huh? Yeah. Okay, you've got Michael Pittman Jr. to work with. Uh, okay, yeah. you know you got Jonathan Taylor yeah. in the background. Yeah. All right, yeah. Quentin Nelson. Uh, okay, I'm not saying you have nothing to work with. Yeah, but Detroit. That running game, huh? Yeah. The the, the gap. <laughs> I mean, sound. I mean, well, start, yeah. start with the wide receivers. We can't yeah. do that with the running okay, game. Yeah, but I'm just Indy, I'm Indy adding a little bit. Battle. Adding a little bit. The, the running game okay. and it's it's an emphasis that takes some weight off of your shoulders, take a little bit off okay. your plate. But the young studs, they're young, yep. and they're going to be there for a long time. Jimmy and Amon Ross, St. Brown, and yep. Jamison Williams. I, I'd much rather go to Detroit. I got to be honest with you. I mean, look, I, I get why a city like Detroit would make a lot of sense to Will Nyquil Levis, but, you know, for me, I'd just rather be in Indianapolis, you know? I get it. I understand. <laughs> I've had that in the pocket for that, about a week and a half. You've just been waiting, <laughs> waiting for that. All right, coming up next, this guy is a joke. Details on that. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You know, I'm trying, Jimmy. Heavy side. Okay? Trying to be uh, more positive about certain things, a little more upbeat, you know, more optimistic. But every now and then, there's a figure in the sports world that just gives me no choice. There, there's no other way to go, <laughs> if I'm being honest here. And that man, yet again, is NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. So what did he do this time? This freaking guy. So the Dallas Mavericks, they were just fined $750,000 for conduct detrimental to the league. So what did they do? So on April 7th, a game against the Bulls, they sat out a bunch of their key players. Luka Doncic played the first quarter and 35 seconds of the second quarter. And then they sat him. Why did they do that? Well, they made a deal in 2019 <laughs> centered around Kristaps Porzingis. Okay? They made a deal with the Knicks. So the Mavs are trying to keep a top 10 protected pick. 
So they did the math over here, Jimmy, and they said, okay, we could scratch and claw and try to make the play-in and then maybe try to make the playoffs and then what? Get bounced because the handwriting's on the wall. How about we say, white flag, let's bail on the season here and try to keep this top 10 pick. And the league comes in and they ding him for three quarters of a mil. Now the thing is this, Jimmy. They launched a probe. (laughs) I could have told them in 10 seconds what's going on here. Yeah, they rested their guys. They're trying to keep their top 10 pick. Yeah, they don't want to part with that. That's it. That's the whole probe right there. And how does this differ from what the Pacers just did? The Pacers had a chance to make the play-in. They bailed. They rested Halliburton. They rested Miles Turner. Why aren't they dinged for $750,000? Look at the lineups the Blazers were putting out there for weeks. And yet it's just Dallas. Now, Dallas was stupid enough, led by Jason Kidd, to put it out there on wax (laughs) to do a press conference and be like, it's an organizational decision. This is just what we're doing here. But they get fined for less than a million dollars. Jimmy, do the math on this one. They're trying to keep a top 10 pick which they could use to possibly help keep Luka Doncic. You think a $750,000 fine is enough of a deterrent to discourage the sure. next team from doing the same thing? It's a freaking joke. Compare it to the NFL. My Dolphins, they don't have a first-round pick because Roger Goodell has these things called nuts. You know, something that Adam Silver has none of. None. Zero. He's got no backbone over there. The Dolphins, for tampering and exploring, maybe Tom Brady being the quarterback, maybe Sean Payton being the head coach, they don't have a first-round draft pick. Meanwhile, we're launching a probe to just find out exactly what the Dallas Mavericks did, and our determination is $750,000 fine. Ridiculous. So there's a lot to unpack there. The first, and and I'm going to plead partial ignorance here because I don't have a full master on the CBA. I don't know what the limits are in terms of what Adam Silver can do from a punishment standpoint in a situation like this. I I, I don't. I'll I'll just be honest with you about it. I don't know if if one of his options would have been, oh, tried to make that pick a little better for you. Eh, Don't worry about it. Not your pick anymore anyway. It's gone. If, If that's in his power... Then yes, love to see a move like that. Take a stand on the whole tanking thing. Make an example out of Dallas instead of they try to make an example out of them. But you see, it's just a monetary fine, and that's that's chump change. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. it's not. It, it's it looks big to the common man. It's not. It, it's <laughs> it's not for Mark Cuban and company at uh. at all. So. Like again, I, I plead ignorance there because I don't know. I don't know if in the bylaws of the CBA that could have been a legitimate option for Adam Silver. If it's not, and his hands are tied with that CBA, I understand maybe you say, well, he was involved in those negotiations. He could have fought for that. Yeah, okay. Maybe maybe he should have done that. But in the moment, if that's all he has at his disposal, okay, make a statement with it and be done with it. Put the big price tag on it and a casual viewer will be like, well, that's a lot of money. Not for Mark Cuban. The other part that you brought up in just regard to where the difference is between the Mavericks and the Pacers and the Trailblazers. I think you hit the nail on the head. The the public just outwardness of it in press conference form by Jason Kidd, I feel like is almost just, hey, what are you going to do? You're not going to do anything, Silver. Uh-huh. I dare you. I dare you to do something. Please, please make my day. And okay, they did, but maybe that's all with where the CBA is he could do. But that's why I think 
I agree with you, Brian. It should be league-wide. It shouldn't just be the Mavericks. I would argue, though, they were the ones that were most in the public eye about it in terms of the way they were talking about it to close the season. They were, too. I think it's really... (laughs) My comparison would be, it's like, uh, you know, the speed limit is 65. Yeah. But cars are going 85, 90 regularly, and no one is getting pulled over. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, I don't think it was even on Dallas's radar of, hey, we could actually get punished for doing what we're doing. <laughs> like, right? Like, so I don't think they were just daring they the have. league. They wouldn't yeah. have done it had, no. had they known that, oh, man, we might get a, 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 some type of punishment here. Yeah, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, that would be like me being on the show today saying, oh, yeah, when I'm on 465, oh, I go no less than 90. And that's what everybody's doing. Like, if you're, you know, the police and hearing that, you're like, we should probably do something about that. You know, like, right? I think that's what the yeah. NBA did of, we, we probably should do something. But again, Jimmy, this isn't going to do anything. This is putting a Band-Aid on a boat that is leaking from many different spots you yeah. know what i mean this is doing zero and makes them look like an even bigger joke i just know this like i don't mean to make roger goodell sound like the sheriff and laying down the law but if this is an nfl situation can you imagine it like goodell came out with the possibility of teams resting their guys at the end of the season and he's threatening we're gonna find you we're gonna take away draft picks do it do it and see what happens. It hadn't even happened yet. Yeah. And he's throwing it out there like that. There is no way if the same thing happened in the NFL. Can you imagine it? An NFL coach saying what Jason Kidd said. Hey, this is a, an organizational decision. This is just what we're doing here. It is what it is. <laughs> and they rest all of their top players. And, and they're just like, yeah, shrug the shoulders. This is what we're doing here. Do you think the NFL's response would be a $750,000 fine and that's it? There's zero chance that would happen. No, I, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. Again, I, I plead ignorance with it in that portion of the CBA. I, I don't know what all he could do. My hope, Brian, and I know that because I know your feelings on Adam Silver, you think this is just hope I'm wasting. I should go invest it in other things that one can be <laughs> hopeful about. My hope would be, okay, this is the example. Where do we go from here in terms of penalties or punishments, whether it's next season and beyond? You you almost had to do something with the Mavericks with how public they were about it. And it's clear there's frustration among the league that you don't make MV again, I know this isn't like a big thing to curtail it, but it's something. You don't change the way that voting and eligibility can happen for your end of season awards if it's not clear in the NBA's office they're frustrated with this whole resting thing. Absolutely. But what at this point and I know they just finalized the CBA so I guess that'll be my homework uh, this weekend is trying to figure out exactly (laughs) what he could have done and maybe they should have been more aggressive in those negotiations with the the most recent CBA that just finished up uh, what a couple weeks ago. For me that's the missing piece. I don't know. I don't know what he could have done more than a monetary fine. Goodell has pretty much, you say you don't want to paint him as a sheriff. He's pretty much judge, jury, and executioner. Right, it is set right. up for him to make every decision he wants in terms of punishment, in terms of just rulings on that. He can lay the hammer down. I don't know what that realm lies for Adam Silver. I don't. It's changed a little bit with Goodell because he's gotten out of the 
judge jury yeah. executioner yeah. role that unbiased we, we saw that with like yeah, yeah, yeah sue yeah. l robinson and the sean yeah. watching situation yeah. so he's gotten a a little bit away from that but man bro i just i like silver is like he's a, a weak parent he had really to do something though no he, or is the better yeah, point don't but, do a probe don't do anything i just i think you got to do more if you're gonna do something sure you know this makes you look even worse where it's like you know uh, he's a weak parent where he's like, do you kids want to go to bed? And they're like, no, leave us alone. Stop <laughs> asking stupid questions. And he's like, oh, okay, I guess uh, whenever you're ready then. <laughs> or like the, you know, the, the punishment. If you are speeding going 90 down the road to get to wherever you're going faster and you get pulled over and you get a $10 ticket, you're like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, that's basically what the Mavs just got. Yeah. They got a $10 ticket. Like, oh, okay. That's, <laughs> that's just silly, man. All right. Someone who's not silly around the corner. Eric Froton. He does a great job for NBC Sports. They're college football draft analyst. Pretty good at betting college football as well. So we'll talk some ball with Eric coming up. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. want to welcome in. Eric Froton from NBC Sports. This is a great job. He's their lead college football draft analyst. And uh, I hear you do a great job betting college football as well, Eric. Is that on the resume officially? You may have heard correctly, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I actually specialize in college football player props, which is an emerging marketplace. Uh, I think you guys can do that in Indiana, if I'm oh, not yeah. mistaken. Oh, we absolutely can. You know what, Eric? I'll tell you what. They need to change this immediately. That quarterbacks running the ball, you know exactly what I'm going to say. They get penalized for sack yardage. Do you realize how much that sucks? Do you play it the other way where you kind of will take the under on a, a rushing total knowing that the sack yardage goes into that? Oh, of course. That's yeah. a vital characteristic of quarterback rushing yardage. And that's like, and because of that very reason, it's a finicky market, the QB rushing yards, you know, because it's a very variable situation. And on that point, I, I'll, I'll use this as my example. Caleb Williams, uh, Heisman winning quarterback mm-hmm. for USC last year. In uh, the last game, like the last game of the season, I want to say, of uh, the regular season, he had in the first half like 90 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. His prop total was like 35, something like that. And he it was... It was a layup. It was done. <laughs> it was done. And then he went and got hurt. He, he rolled his ankle. It was Tulane. It was the bowl game against Tulane. He rolled his ankle and then proceeded to get, because they were trailing, so they had to throw all the time. He got sacked like five times in the second half for like 70 yards and went actually under <laughs> his rushing total because of that. So wild stuff happens. I try to stick when it comes to QBs. I like trying to target um, later on in the season. You'll see the books not be up on the depth chart movement. So a good example is Iowa. Uh, two years ago for the Big Ten Championship, they had Spencer Petras as well as um, their, ba- their backup, Alex Padilla, were expected to get uh, snaps. Both of them would. And Kirk Ferentz even said, yeah, we're going to see these guys get snaps here. So they went and, you know, uh, DraftKings went and just lined it at Petras just for his regular line, didn't account for that. Well, 
let's let's just say I, I put a little money for <laughs> wager. And anytime you're taking the under on an Iowa quarterback passing yardage, you're probably going to be okay. <laughs> I'm probably going to be okay. How about this? Um, I don't know if you're going to take the under on, you know, uh, Bryce Young passing yardage in games as a rookie, but he might be the number one overall pick. Are you at least surprised that the betting market has switched as much as it has from C.J. Stroud being a heavy favorite to now Bryce Young being the heavy favorite to go number one overall? Oh, gosh. You know, this is uh, this is really the intrigue of the palace intrigue of the NFL draft season, which is you see all these wild fluctuations from open to the middle, you know, you'll get a couple weeks in and then right before the draft, just so much movement. And that's a great example because uh, CJ Stroud, when markets opened, he was right around, you know, minus two forty or so. I think that's two minus two sixty at some point um, just a week ago. And here we are, we're literally at, you know, depending on where you're looking at, Bryce Young is at minus 350 to 400. Wow. So that is a giant, giant swing, and uh, certainly value is presented there for Bryce Young. So on that end, Eric, we asked the question that, you know, I don't want to have to ask, but Brian and I were talking about earlier, and maybe it's a fair aspect that the gambling market has officially joined the rumor mill, the Adam Schefter tweets as things we can't trust with two weeks to go until the draft. Has the betting market now become untrustworthy when trying to read tea leaves, or or do you think it's really trending that way that that Young's going to go one overall? Oh, man, there's always, you know, subterfuge. (laughs) <laughs> and, and faints and misdirections, you know, it, it really is an art form at this point for the NFL teams up at the top there. Um, I personally have Bryce Young as my QB1, uh, so I, I just believe, like, his intangibles, his ability to feel the rush, um, you know, step up in the pocket. When he's flushed, he buys time, but his eyes are always downfield. Instead of running, when he gets a little bit of distance from the rush, he'll reset his speed keep his eyes downfield, and he makes just off-platform plays time and time again that just belie his size. And you just can't – it's just not something you can quantify. Um, that being said, obviously, you know, C.J. Stroud, in terms of if you can put a wall around him like Ohio State did and just let him distribute and put that ball the way that he can when he is set in the catch window just at a ridiculous rate, that has value too. So – I do think Bryce Young does go one. He is my number one, but I don't think he's four to one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty bold. And, and there's some real value to be able to go on the other side because when I wrote my column, I, I wrote this on Monday, you know, we, here we are, we're sitting on Friday. Um, it was only minus 200 just four days, three days ago when I released this for Bryce Young to go. Now we're up to 360. I think we're kind of on the other side of things here where <laughs> what's the point of taking Young? If you're going to throw a flyer, throw it in Stroud. He's Eric Froton from NBC Sports joining us here on The Fan. How about this, Eric, where uh, the guy I'm doing the show with here, Jimmy Cook, brief background, great dude. He's, uh, he's 28 years old. He's impressionable. He's at a young age, you know. But he he has said he has said here that if CJ Stroud is still on the board at number three, from a Colts perspective, are you doing everything in your power to move up and get CJ Stroud? 
Well, if C.J. Stroud is there at number three, number one, I'm going to be a very excited man because that means that Anthony Richardson went number two, and he's currently 22 to one <laughs> to go at the number two spot. Wow! I've already heavily leveraged in that particular wager, just put it that way. And I would advise you know those of uh, the listeners here at the fan, maybe you give that a look. You know, at <laughs> 22 to one, but um. You know, that being said, it's a friendly recommendation. Uh, I think you really got to – you only have to move down one spot there, you know? It's not going to cost that much. Maybe you give up that third, you know, you got here. And that's a great pick. You don't want to give it up. But, hey, if it means getting C.J. Stroud or Will Levis, I will personally, if I were Jim Ursay – I, I would drive the big bus that he has down <laughs> to Arizona. I would personally give him the asset. Say, well, how do you, what do you, how can I possibly solidify this for you? Here is the third round pick served on a silver platter uh, with all the accoutrements and side dishes, <laughs> make it a four plate meal. And you do that immediately. Cause will the difference between CJ Stroud and Will Levis is, is, is it's a, it's a wide chasm. In my opinion, so in, so in that same front, then Eric Eric Proton, nice enough to join us, NBC Sports lead college football analyst as well as NFL draft analyst. There, you can also find him on NBCSportsEdge.com. Brian and I have been debating for weeks the Levis Richardson conversation. He, he he likes Levis. I like Richardson. You throw Stroud in there, it, it muddies the water completely because now, at least in my mind, like yeah. it, it, you go and get him. If we take the Stroud. I don't want to call it a pipe dream anymore, but you take the Stroud option off the board and it's back to the Levis Richardson conversation. I, I know how I feel about Richardson. If it winds up being Levis for the Colts at four, why should Colts fans not be running for the hills? Oh, you're asking me to tell you not to run for the hills? Yes, correct. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, <laughs> if it's possible. Yeah, sorry, um, respectfully, I, I will, you know, respectfully, <laughs> um, let me give you a, 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 my synopsis and just a, a little different point of view of, of how I look at him and, and just where he's coming from. So in 2021, you know, you got to remember, he, he was a Penn State recruit. So he went in there in the same time that they're, uh, you know, graduating quarterback who is on nobody's draft board, Sean Clifford, uh, beat him out. You know, and he was the short yardage quarterback there at Penn State. Transfers over to Kentucky, had Joey Gatewood, had a couple of guys there, but he ends up winning it out, and he's the big arm QB there. Year one in 2022, his offensive coordinator was Liam Cohen, who uh, Rams uh, assistant, actually went back to the NFL because he did such a good job at Kentucky, like reforming <laughs> that offense into being more spread, more potent, uh, having a little more explosiveness. It certainly was not a problem for that offense this year, being explosive, let me tell you that. But um, when Liam Cohen left, you know, and, and Levis, his decision-making was better, and that's where a lot of this comes from. You know, is his 2021 tape where he was just much more measured and balanced than he was making better decisions and just all around, it, it, it looked like a different player. 22 comes around, you know, one year and done for Cohen. In comes Rick Scangarello, who is a 49ers guy. They go back to the NFL to go with the offensive coordinator deal, and it just doesn't work out the same way. It does not go well. Um, Levis, 7-13, to 13, 
big-time throw to turnover-worthy play ratio. If you watch him across the middle, um, his footwork wasn't nearly what it was in 2021. The decision-making was very questionable. He's hanging balls over the middle that you just can't do in the NFL because he's got a big arm and he's trying to make tight window throws that were prohibitive. And when you're, when you're trying to make those tight window throws and your mechanics aren't pristine and you're on your toes a little bit and you're, you're tall when you're delivering as opposed to, you know, low, it's going to sail. And that's what you saw a lot of in 22. And when you hear, um, you know, I've heard a few of his interviews, you know, seen a little bit of, of Levis, you start to hear about how he's quote unquote quirky. You know, a little weird. That's not maybe like these are the guys interview him and stuff, and they're like, all right, it's a mayonnaise and coffee thing, eating, mm-hmm. eating, you know, um, let's just eat um, <laughs> non ripe, very, very ripe bananas, you know, too ripe bananas, just with, with the peel on. Like, all right, man, you know, are you, are you leading a, an NFL room? You know, you got to be the alpha here. You're the, you're the quarterback, you're leading everything here. And I think that's what's starting to trickle out. I think that's a concern because he's 24 years old. He's not a kid. Anthony Richardson is not even 21 yet. He's had 13 starts. He's a, a ball of clay that tested better than quarter, any quarterback in the history of the, the combine, including Cam Newton, who is, I mean, a, a god coming out of Auburn after his incredible season. Um, so you throw all that stuff in, and it's like, I, I just, I want Richardson comfortably over Levis because it's a, it's a three-year developmental window difference, and I don't see a lot of difference in the mistakes that Anthony Richardson makes from the mistakes that Will Levis makes, and he's three years old. He's Eric Froton from NBC Sports. Um, I'm, I'm going to question C.J. Stroud a little bit here, uh, Eric, and you push back if you want to, but one of the biggest things that concerns me about C.J. Stroud is I keep on hearing about him being more pro-ready than some of these other quarterbacks. And that might be true in terms of what he brings to the table with footwork and mechanics and all that type of stuff. But in terms of the talent he's used to be surrounded by and the talent he will be surrounded by initially, it's night and day. Look at all these first-round wide receivers. You had Garrett Wilson. He was the offensive rookie of the year with the Jets. Chris Olave had over 1,000 yards receiving as rookies in the NFL. Those were his guys two years ago at Ohio State. Then you sprinkle sprinkle in Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Abuka. And it's been an embarrassment of riches. I'm worried C.J. Stroud is going to look a lot different initially in the NFL if his weapons are nowhere near what he's used to. Absolutely. And those are just his vertical weapons. Forget about the great wall he had in front of him. I mean, he sure. had Juan Jones on the right side, who is an absolutely mammoth human being. And, you know, Paris Johnson on the other side, who, you know, at 6'6", 315, is perfectly proportioned. He will likely be the first tackle taken off the board. You know, Thayer Mumford uh, last year. Uh, there's just no shortage of talent up and down Ohio State. A lot of the games, again, I'd say probably eight games a season, he, Stroud is on cruise control because they're just, they're just humming. They're putting up 45 points a game. A game for the past four or five years straight, Ohio State. It's just a juggernaut. So there's a very valid uh, concern because of the, the just the level of talent relative to who they're playing. It's different in the Big Ten and the SEC. It just is, you know? Um, so that's a very fair point. 
Um, and like you said, all the all the wide receivers. Sure, yeah, okay. Wilson and and Olave move on, and, and Smith and Jig was hurt all year. I love Emeka Buka. I had him in eleven of my college fantasy football leagues. I have him in all my dynasty leagues, my CPC. I am the number one mark you're going to find for Ibuka. But you're right. Off structure, off platform, the very thing that I know, I can look at Bryce Young and say, I know with confidence that when things break down, that man can make things happen in a way that very few players can. I know he's short. I get it. Man, he can do that. And we really haven't had this, haven't seen extended stretches of Stroud do that consistently over time. We saw it against Georgia. He was phenomenal in that game. I mean, you have to you have to give him that. And it was a criticism we had all year long about can he do this, but he did. And I do think, you know, that has to be said. But I need to see how he handles that rush a little more. I need to see how he, he feels the pressure, has that sixth sense that you see the greats have, and see him being able to reset and deliver strikes on the move. That is going to set apart Stroud because he seems conceptually to be on, on time, uh, throwing players open pretty well. Can you do it when things break down? Eric Froton of NBC Sports taking some time with us. Eric, last question on my end. Um, even though my co-host likes to, to make the joke that I'm still impressionable, I, I would agree with you. <laughs> much, much like Will Levis, I am who I am at this point, but, but I digress there. Uh, I am a follower, though, for bets. I love good value bets. You already gave us one with the idea of Anthony Richardson uh, potentially going to the Texans at two. What, what's your favorite first-round wager right now from a value standpoint outside of that one? Yeah, I really like that one. Um, but in terms of a value standpoint, there's a couple others. One, I'll say, you know, we'll stick with the QBs. Anthony Richardson is currently minus 150 to go under four and a half, you know, mm. so to go in those first four picks. Now, let me ask you <laughs> guys, as Indianapolis Colts, you know, supporters, and, you know, you guys are, if Anthony Richardson was there for you at the fourth pick, would you pass up on him? No. Yes. <laughs> okay, you would. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Well, that's if, again, that's if Levis and Richardson are both there, of course, you know, but you also have the three pick where if you're Arizona, why aren't you looking? You, they are actively shopping that pick. Um, they've, by their own admission, had contact by six teams who have been sniffing around to, to move up. Um, they're not moving up for Will Levis, guys. I'm a pretty confident. <laughs> I'm gonna go out there, um, but the point is, like, hey, somebody's gonna move up to three, and even if they don't take Will Levis, and well, okay, then Anthony Richardson's there at four, and I think, I think it's got to go, and you got to, I mean, you got to take it. You just have to. Um, that being said, if they don't take Anthony Richardson there, I think that that's a sign that the Colts are willing to do one of one or two things. One, you go and take whoever your perceived best player on the board is defensively. You go, you say, I got Quiddy Pay on one side, I got Will Anderson on the other. Let's, let's go to war. Um, and then sort of build that way and wait until next year where, hey, you don't really have a plan right now at QB, and you're going to be taking some L's. That's okay. Will you take enough L's to get Caleb Williams next year? That's or right. Or Drake May? Yeah. Because I'd rather have Caleb Williams or Drake May than – Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. Yeah, I would. I've seen a lot of those guys. I'm a college fantasy guy. I, I soup to nuts. I see their whole high school 
to college careers, 100% both of those guys, I don't even have to think twice about it. So I, I take, you know what? I, I definitely take Caleb over everybody in this class, and I'd probably take May over Stroud. So um, all that, talking about all that, I love minus 150. It's gone down from minus 240 to minus 150. I think that's a great line at one and a half to one odds. I think Richardson goes in the top four. It's minus 120 on DraftKings right now. Ooh. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Even better what? right there. Yeah. Hey, Eric, great stuff, man. Really appreciate the time. And maybe we'll have time. We could get you on right before the draft again next week. We'll see how it works out if you're uh, available or not, you know? I'm, av- I'm available for you guys. Absolutely. Happy to do it. And, and sincerely, thank you very much for having me on. And best of luck to the Colts. I was at the Jim Arce YMCA at the Combine two weeks ago. <laughs> a beautiful facility. Very nice. Very nice. We'll catch you soon, Eric. Thanks, Hope you Eric. have a good day, man. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. There he is, Eric Froton, NBC Sports. That was fun. It wow. Was. He he doesn't lack for opinions right there, which I enjoy. Like I, I disagree with some of them. Sure. But what he was saying was entertaining. So hey man, I'll take entertaining all day. He and ha- he's backing them up. He's not just yeah. telling you this is what I think and there's really no reason why. He he gave you details. He's anti Will the Thrill Levis. That's fine. Uh, but he gave you reasons why he's such. And the blend of which so many fans like, and that's a great point. We'll obviously try to get him back on. Um, I, obviously, we're inside of two weeks now to the draft because the betting market and oh. that type of just entertainment of prop bets and value bets, you can start today, but how all the news and rumor mill changes and how the draft or the uh, sports books change the odds that that's half of the entertainment for me with the NFL draft outside of like rooting interest for teams, what the Colts do and just how the board falls is how does Vegas react and where can you maybe get ahead? It was a nice blend of both mock draft and also betting value there. As you mentioned, still backing up his takes with uh, you know, his research on that. This to me, Jimmy, this is more reasonable long shot betting than say like Olympic basketball. Here's what I mean by that. Okay. So you'll you'll hear from time to time like, "Hey, look at uh, Lithuania is <laughs> eight to one, or you know." And it's like, bro, Lithuania isn't winning it though. Okay, <laughs> I don't care if they're twenty to one; they're not winning gold. All right, like you're wasting your money. It's the opposite with the NFL draft. I feel like if you're big game hunting and you're going like long shot city. Within reason. Yeah. You're not saying, uh, like, at this stage, Jalen Carter is going to be the number one overall pick, right? Like, within reason. Yeah. He was talking about Anthony Richardson maybe being the number two overall pick. And I think he said 22 to one. Yep. At those long odds, it's more possible than, you know, Ghana winning <laughs> Olympic gold in basketball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's much more realistic in the NFL draft. The odds are the same in terms of the examples you gave, but the realism of it actually happening has substance in the NFL draft. You're exactly right. Yeah, and weird stuff happens all the time. Yeah. We've seen it totally flip-flop with the odds of who's going number one. (laughs) 
and it's only been like a week and a half. And like we joked about it, the, the combines really don't move the needle. Like there, there's nothing other than just the internal, either one of two things, either manipulation with reports, which we know happens, or genuine changing of minds, changing of the team Stroud versus team young camps within Carolina's brain trust there in the front office. It's one of those two things. Could be a combination of both. But either way, the fact that you see, like he said, four, whatever, it's four to one. Like that's, that's absolutely insane. It's <laughs> minus 400 now. It's nuts. So if you want to buy a lottery ticket and it's not plus you know 2,000 necessarily, but you want to look at, oh, I think that this is all smoke. I think that C.J. Stroud is going to be the number one pick. Plus 350 right now, and he was in the clubhouse with his feet up last week. Yeah. It's insane. You know what's interesting, though, too, is they call it steam when yeah. you, you have like a big push like this mm-hmm. and all the all the betters are like, oh, it's Bryce Young now. Like, I, I didn't buy the C.J. Stroud migration, right? I didn't buy all the steam where right after the Panthers traded up for that number one overall pick, the odds just skyrocketed for yeah. C.J. Stroud to be the number one overall pick. And I didn't buy it. This isn't to pat myself on the back here, Jimmy. There is a point. It's going to sound like I'm patting myself on the back. I'm really not. But I didn't buy it. I'm like, why? Is C.J. Stroud like the godson of Frank Reich or something? Like, why? Why is it overwhelmingly C.J. Stroud? I just didn't understand it. I didn't buy it. But you know what happens? There's no money in not buying it, yeah. not going along with this push to where it's going to be C.J. Stroud, and everyone's like, we're going to Vegas, baby! And you're like, but but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> There's no money in saying it doesn't make sense. I'm going to stay away. So I think that's why you see so much steam at times is you're just trying to get paid. And you're like, hey, well, everybody's going this way. We, there must be something to it. Yeah. Not always. But there isn't any money with just saying no. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay away from this one. You know. So I think that generates even more steam. Is how right. it works. There yeah. were two reasons that I bought it a little bit, and it wasn't immediately when the trade happened. It was in the couple days and about a week that followed. There were two reasons. One, the prevailing thought is, at least throughout his tenure as a head coach or involved in offenses, that Frank Reich is of the same mind of you. He likes the bigger frame, sized up QB. CJ Stroud fits that mold far more than Bryce Young. The other thing was just the, and maybe I, maybe I did, maybe I drank the Kool Aid too much, but like I referenced it already during the show today. Josh McCown and him like having a love fest. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I thought, oh, all right, we're just being out in the open about it. We have the number one pick. We're professing our love. We don't have to hide it. And yeah, I, I thought that's where things were going. So that's why I was a little bit more susceptible to it. Frank Reich's preferences, or at least previous style of quarterbacks, versus yeah, Josh McCown and and uh, CJ Stroud chatting it up. Yeah, interesting stuff, man. Really is because uh, it just took a couple of reports yeah. from insiders. And l- here's the other thing, Jimmy they could they could be wrong or they could be misled. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like both of those things could be true. Adam Kaplan, I might have told you this story, but. He used to work at ESPN. He was a TV, like, NFL analyst. He was on some of those shows. And uh, I talked to him recently, and he goes, this happened a few years ago. One of the GMs told him, hey, we're going to do such and such. And he vetted it out, and he checked sources, and he's like, "Uh." he didn't run with it. The next year, that same GM winked at him and said, 
hey, good job not going with that story I gave you. <laughs> you, did you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, stuff like that can happen. I, I mean, when you have the number one overall pick, I, you know, I don't know why you would do that, but yeah. I mean, some of these guys, they want clicks as well. I, I put it this way. Woj. Woj is as plugged in as anybody in the sports world. And he put it out there that Paulo Bancaro was not going to be the number one overall pick. And he was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like He had somebody else going number one overall. Might have been Jabari Smith. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But Woj ended up being wrong. So that's the thing is this well-respected big name who covers the NFL said X, Y, Z. It doesn't make it gospel. You know, those guys are wrong too sometimes. Particularly if you have a front office divided, because if you have a front office that has two separate camps, which is what you know often happens when a number one pick that has debate around it is because guys want to fight for, no, this is the guy. You can't miss on this guy. No, they're wrong. This is the guy. Then within your own front office, you start to have people who are like, ah, I'm, I'm going to leak this over here. Like you start to have the chances that that is at stake. So you really do have to be careful whether you're betting or whether you're a general manager. Yes, the gap is that deep in similarities. You have to take everything with a grain of salt and trust the evaluations you've made or trust your gut in the betting market, which for me right now, I don't know if I'm going to do it, it's tempting to go put plus 350 juice on C.J. Stroud because it just felt like out of the gate and just the way they're interacting with him, he was their guy. Well, he might. I think that's the only way to bet it at, at this, this point. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to go with minus 400. 400. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you put a couple of Scooby snacks on C.J. Stroud, cross your fingers, yep. you know? Like, yep. <laughs> I think that's, if you're going to make a play at number one, I think that's probably the only one to make yeah. at this stage. And you hope it swings the other way. All right, coming up next, <laughs> zero assurances and how it has a ripple effect potentially with the Colts. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. So, uh, wow. I uh, I heard, of, uh, heard some of OBJ's introductory press conference over there. Odell Beckham Jr., new Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Jimmy Cook. Brian No and Jimmy Cook with you here on The Fan. A lot of cash. A uh, lot of cash. Cash. You go cash every now and then? I go cash every now and then. I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Dust it off, right? <laughs> Problem. Always know um, where it is. Like it it's so painfully obvious. It's only about the cash, as you just said yeah. right here. Listen to OBJ hoping, crossing his fingers that maybe Lamar Jackson is still the quarterback in B more. Obviously, I would assume that it's gonna work out. You know, I have that faith and that hope. And um, Lamar, I know if you're watching, you know, you know I'm, I would love to, to love to get to work with you. Hey, I know it's radio. He waved at the camera like, Lamar, if you're out there, hey, hello, it's me, OBJ. Hope you're throwing me the ball instead of, well, I have no idea who would be the quarterback if Pro it's not Bowler Lamar Tyler Jackson. Huntley. There it is. Thank you, Eddie. Oh, Thank you for the proper gosh. designation there. I appreciate that. I would hope, I would hope <laughs> they would have another card to play if it's not Lamar, but wow, man. It reminded me of Deion Sanders. Do you remember this, Jimmy? No chance. No, not that one. It's this one. Do you remember that? Yep. <laughs> Must be the, or do you like money? I kind of like the second one. I kind of like money instead of money I'm right with you. there. I'm with you. But it's both. It's money and money for OBJ. 
when in his introductory press conference, he makes it obvious there were no assurances, zero assurances given by the Baltimore Ravens that Lamar would be the quarterback. Yet he still signed on the dotted line because of the Benjamins over there. The cache. Man, that could royally backfire. This is a one-year prove-it deal. And even if Lamar is there, he might not be upright for a good portion of the season. And then you add the extra layer of, oh, he might not be there at all. That's that's a leap of faith right there, and it spells cash in 2023 for OBJ. Look, there's a couple things there. First, the Ravens, regardless of where the truth is of how close a Lamar Jackson – I don't want to call it necessarily a settlement, but a final decision on what happens with him. Regardless of how they feel about their camp, they had to make a move for just whether you call it the fan base, whether you call it just the overall health of the front office. Okay, we need something. We need something with a little jazz, with a little pizzazz on it to go a little back and forth rhyme there. Okay, OBJ provides that for me. No no cost, no, no cost too great to go get him, obviously, because I thought – he would end up on a contender on like a seven or eight million dollar deal. Eighteen million dollars for like what you're buying here, and I hope it happens because I've loved OBJ as a player. He's fascinating to watch. You're hoping that he's what 30, 31 right now, coming off of I guess a year removed fully from the ACL injury in the Super Bowl. You're hoping he is back to what he was, yeah. not just in that playoff run, you're hoping even further back than that, the last time he had a great season, which was like 2019 and 2020. You're hoping he's able to do that past the 30 wall for one year. Mm. No, you're, you're paying him this money because he's arguably the best wide receiver Lamar Jackson has ever had during his time there, save maybe Hollywood Brown. I'll hear that conversation. That's fine. This is the best weapon they've ever had for him. You're hoping A- it entices Lamar, and as a failsafe, eh, maybe the fan base will want to come because we got uh, we got Odell Beckham Jr. out there. I'd like to add this in for you guys to debate here. You, you're Lamar Jackson. Yes, you see the Baltimore Ravens sign Odell Beckham Jr. Yay, raw, go fight, win. They made a move. I go get. I have a true wide receiver one again, but at the same time, eighteen million dollars, and you're Lamar, and you're sitting there. It's like yeah. he gets eighteen million. He hasn't played in a year and a half, and he's coming off a second ACL tear. What? Why can't you pay me that kind of money that I'm wanting? Mm, yeah, I don't know how Lamar is looking at it, but um, I don't think he'd be looking at it jealously because it's two completely different asks. You know, it's a uh, OBJ is getting, and this is with incentives and stuff. This is the agent. You know, it's eighteen yeah. million dollars. It's right around fourteen million guaranteed. It could get up to eighteen million. I doubt Lamar is looking at it like, oh, they freed up the cash for OBJ, but not old Lamar over here. Like, it's 18 mil tops. Like, even the franchise tag is worth about $32 million, a little north of that for Lamar. So, a fully guaranteed deal, five years, three years, whatever. We're taking estimated guesses what Lamar wants exactly, but he wants a whole lot more than 18 million, rest assured. So I don't think this is a negative, what he's looking at with Lamar getting, uh, with OBJ getting that money. I would agree with the aspect. I don't think jealousy is there, but but to Eddie's larger point about how Lamar would feel about all this, I would think if I'm looking around and I'm Lamar Jackson and I see nobody 
picking up the phone and calling, wait, checks notes, is he, oh, calling him to see if he wants to go play for them because he doesn't have representation at this point in time uh, in the form of an agent, uh, unless you're, and I forgot the name of his. his oh, uh, Ken Francis. There it is, Ken Francis. Unless Ken Francis <laughs> takes calls for him. He looks around, the landscape's pretty bare. Regardless of the money that was spent on OBJ, that is a massive upgrade in that wide receiver room. The Ravens are a better team offensively now for Lamar than they were a year ago. At least you have something to hang your hat on there. And worst case, we talk about a prove-it deal for OBJ. I know Lamar probably doesn't want to do this again, but it becomes another prove-it deal for him, this time in the form of either the $32 million if he wants to you know, negotiate with a tag or negotiate with a salary like that and, and stay there on the, on the non-exclusive, or if there's a longer-term deal there. Either way... At least it's a little brighter in that receiver room than it was a week ago. I just I don't get it for both. I don't get it for the Ravens. I don't get it for OBJ. Well, you, get, you get it for OBJ, surely. No, I don't at all. I, because you've already said it, it. The money. I get it, I mean, I get it more so for OB. I get it more so for the Ravens than I do OBJ because the Ravens are looking at this and saying. We don't have a stud wide receiver. Yeah. We're hoping it's Odell Beckham Jr. That's foolish thinking. He's had two ACL injuries in 16 months. Like the idea of him being peak Odell, that day is day. Yeah. It's like Denzel said in training day. That day is dead, dog. We yeah. don't roll like that no yeah, more. Like sure. OBJ is not rolling like that anymore in the NFL. So to pay him upwards of $18 million, that is wishful thinking personified. Now, I'll give him a little bit of grace because they're trying to re-sign Lamar. If this helps, okay. I, I get what they're thinking there. For Odell Beckham Jr., OBJ, he gave the Jets the option to match it. They weren't going to do that because they're not as stupid as the Ravens are, right? Like, they realize he's not worth that type of money. But if I'm looking at this, if I'm Odell Beckham Jr., I don't know how much of a financial haircut he would have had to take to go to the Jets, and that does matter. If it's like a significant haircut, okay. But if it's a little trim, we're talking a handful of mil here and there, I'd much rather have Aaron Rodgers throwing me the rock than Lamar Jackson, who's had a hard time staying upright the past two seasons, whose numbers have dropped significantly since his MVP season. I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers, who his numbers took a dip, but compared to Lamar the last two years, Aaron Rodgers' numbers were just fine and he played all 17 games, which Lamar didn't. I'd much rather go to the Jets and team up with Aaron Rodgers than the possibility of teaming up with Lamar. That doesn't make any sense to me. I think that... I don't disagree with you on that. I'd rather play with Aaron Rodgers than Lamar Jackson if you gave me the opportunity. But his reported value on Sport Track was about... 13 million is estimated value. And I was seeing on reports, whether it was Dallas, whether it was Kansas City, whether it was Buffalo, wherever it was, somewhere between eight to $10 million or so was like the, the thought of what those franchises wanted to pay him. I don't know what it was out of New York, like what they were like, no, we're not matching that. Are you nuts? Here's what we'll give you, though. Here's We'll give you this. I, I don't know what that number was. I would assume, just for the sake of the conversation, we're looking at anywhere from five to $10 million in difference. And if we're in the same boat, Brian, in regards to where Odell's career goes from here, which yeah. I think we are, this is probably the biggest and last like big paycheck he's going to get in the NFL. Well, that's the thing is it's not just about 2023. I think you got to think bigger than 2023. This is a one-year prove-it deal. Yeah. If you have a really solid 2023, 
you're going to cash in going forward. Yeah. Who gives you the best chance to do that? Is it Lamar, who's banged up and numbers have gone down? Or is it Aaron Rodgers, who was an MVP two of the last three seasons? And he had he lost to Vontae Adams. And what do you think, what do you think uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to do with Garrett Wilson, Odell Beckham Jr., better weapons than he had with the Packers last season. His numbers are going to be better. Yeah. Okay. Like he's going to so have less think, of a role. He's not going to have to be a true number one. Yeah. 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 I think you're in a better spot going forward financially. I would not think only about 2023. Yeah. The money was bigger with Baltimore in 23 than the Packers, but the money going forward, I think that's where the real money could be or could have been <laughs> for Odell yeah. Beckham Jr. But he went this direction. I don't agree with it, man. I'm not wishing him ill. Right. I just think it's the lesser financial decision to make. He went short-sighted with it. He saw yeah. the big money now, and maybe he did not look long-term, or maybe he just was worried about the immediate future. Like I, I get why he did it. I do agree with you, though. The smarter play would have probably been a long-term option. Yeah, and the layer with the Colts is obviously Lamar. Yeah. Right? Like, I think at this point it's gotten like, okay, like Lamar's not going to be with the Colts. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's how it feels. But it's like, where is he going to be? I think he's going to be in Baltimore. As do but I. Yeah. how bent is he? Does he drag this out? Like, when does this end? When, when is there some clarity? I just hope this, Jimmy. I hope he doesn't, and I don't think he will, but I hope he doesn't insult our intelligence and say, you know, it wasn't about the money. It was just about getting weapons around me. And now that Odell Beckham Jr. is here, yeah, I'm happy to be back and playing for the Ravens. I hope we don't hear that. I mean, if I if I was his PR guy, that's what I'd tell him to say. But, <laughs> but you're right. I hope we don't hear that. We don't hear that. Come on, man. Not buying that. All right, coming up next, Jay Cook, you got some picks for us? Always. You do? Hasn't been a great week for any of us, I don't think, at least what we've said behind the microphones. Been pretty public about it. Uh, we're, we're, we're about uh, three three bets under in that regard, about uh, I think five and nine, four bets. Yeah, it's been, it's been tough. Um, but there's plenty of action across the NBA playoffs. I know we're going to deep dive into some of those matchups too. That's what I like to hear. Also, Eddie Garrison, his picks on the air have been good. <laughs> He's been making other picks though. And that hasn't been as profitable. So we will uh, we will lick our wounds coming up next. You know, maybe talk a little bad beats, but NBA playoffs right around the corner. Final two play in games tonight. That'll be fun. So we'll we'll look at the NBA playoffs and get you some picks before we get out of here, and uh, we'll have some fun along the way as well. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's ninety three five and one zero seven five. The fan. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook here on the fan before our hardcore NBA playoff preview here. Another quarterback prospect selling himself hard, Jimmy. So this is Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback. And he said, all I got to say is watch how hard I work. In my mind, I can do anything with the football in my hand. But I know that no one will ever work harder than me to improve, is what uh, A. Rich has to say. And selling himself. C.J. Stroud sold himself hard at the NFL Combine. In Indianapolis, my favorite was Bryce Young at the Combine saying, I've been this size my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there's Anthony Richardson saying, I can do anything with the football in my hand. No one's going to outwork me. Interesting, man. 
Interesting. I, look, I, I mean, on the one hand, oh, what else is he supposed to say? But on the other hand, yes, I, I want you to be publicly saying that. I want to know that it's not just something you're saying. I also want to know that it is going to be in your work ethic and you're going to commit the time and the effort into it. Uh, it's been the common trend. I thought that, again, everybody has a story and the NFL is going to give it to us ad nauseum when the draft starts. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget in general what else we're supposed to talk about, but you had every single human interest story on earth during the pandemic when they didn't have the live interviews they could do during the draft. So it's not going to be that extreme, but I did enjoy his piece, uh, you know, talking about his upbringing in, in the Players' Tribune. You've seen players start to do that more and more, like to kind of put their spin on the narrative. And yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of human interest elements that you can you know, let your heartstrings be torn at and, and, and just put your feet up a little bit and read up on these prospects as you get closer and closer to the draft. Doesn't all have to be drama of ah, who's going where, who's going where. It's nice to get background on the players and let them tell their story. Yeah, and that's cool. I'm fine with the player trying to sell himself and being competitive. I, I think that's cool too, but look, man, it's about actions. It's not about sure. words. So it, it depends on which quarterbacks follow through on that. So time will tell. As far as our hardcore NBA playoff preview, here are a couple of things here, Jimmy. Depending on where you look, I'll give you some bet MGM odds for where they stack up to win the championship. It's interesting to me, two things stand out. One, Golden State has much better odds than the Denver Nuggets. So Golden State is about 8.5 to 1. Denver's 11 to 1. Denver's got the best record in the West. <laughs> They're a one seed. Like, the Warriors have reminded us over and over and over again this season, don't trust us. Don't trust us. We can't win on the road. We cannot win on the road. We can't rebound very well on the road. We can't defend the same way we used to on the road. Don't trust us. And yet here they are with better odds to win the whole thing than Denver. And most of the West, only the Suns have better odds than the Warriors in the West to win a championship. It's it's I've heard all the chatter about the uh, the experience is going to win out. They have all these weapons. They are experienced and have the perfect formula. Look at their years of success. Okay, that's great. I care about the here and now, and I'm exactly with you on there, Brian. It's not to say that like I feel fully comfortable about the experience with Sacramento, but you have to think that the road struggles are going to matter, even as playoff driven as Golden State has in their repertoire as championship-driven as they are. You are what your record says you are at some point. It's a cliche, but it's factual. It's going to matter, I think, deeply in this series. Yeah, man. Um, Also, odds that stand out to me, the Lakers 14-1 to to win a championship. Grizzlies 18-1 to to win a championship. Of course, that's your first-round matchup is Warriors and Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies with home court advantage in the 2-7 matchup, they, the Grizzlies, have lesser odds than the Lakers to win a championship. I think, look, LA's played better lately. They've been the best team after the break in the West. But it's not like every team in the West had the same motivation down the stretch. Okay, Like the Lakers are trying to play their way in. So there's different motivation after the All-Star break. And I just, I don't trust the Lakers. I don't think that... Making the moves that they did, getting rid of Westbrook and get a Hachimura and everything that they've done, I don't think that's enough. I got the Grizzlies in the series. I don't think the Lakers have better odds to win a championship than Memphis does. You? That does surprise me that Memphis would not be more of a betting favor on the future line. I do think it's going to be a very competitive series. I think, what are they? It's the best record 
uh, since they made that trade, but they're 17 and whatever it's four or five, whatever it is, the Lakers over that stretch. Like I am fascinated by them. I don't think they win it outright, but I think it's going to be a very competitive series. The odds though are crazy. The futures odds. Yeah. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, one, not so bold, but will seem bold prediction. Warriors don't survive the second round. Assuming they even get there. <laughs> and I do not have them in the Western conference finals. What do you think about that? I, I'm behind behind you there. I think You're actually back? Sacramento bounces them. Yeah, I think they're go. done in round one. I like it. I like the backing by Jay Cook. Let's get more from the slash the Jay Cook with some picks right now. The Jay Cook plays of the day. This is me. All right. I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. Today's plays of the day. A lot of action across the board for the NBA and the MLB. We start with the NBA. I'm going to scoop the five in both instances. I'm going to take the Thunder plus five at Minnesota. I'm going to take the Bulls plus five against the Miami Heat. In the world of baseball, perhaps in the Black Cat, perhaps I'm looking for you know a reverse jinx towards my Division rival? Who knows? I'm going with the Tampa Bay Rays to win on the money line against the Toronto Blue Jays. That at minus 135 odds. Also going to lay one and a half for the Yankees on the run line against the Twins. Really quickly, series picks. Four games goes Sixers-Nets plus 240. Six games, Grizzlies-Lakers plus 190. Five games, Kings-Warriors plus 280. Wow, okay. Eddie, you got anything real fast? I just like the under tonight in the uh, Thunder and uh, Timberwolves. They've gone under that total. I think it's a 231 right now and three of the four games. Hey, by the way, keep your eye, baseball. The Reds, four and two at home. Stop it. Stop it. You had to go all the way to May 6th for their fourth home win last season. The Phillies can't win on the road. Huh? Nope. Give me the Reds plus one and a half. They don't lose by more than one if they even lose right there. (laughs) Everybody enjoy the action. JMV coming up. We'll catch you later.